previously on Martini John. Everyone at the table is like, you're a rapist murderer. Like, knowing the context of how they're viewing it right. as he is saying And how that. different is he from Ferris Bueller? <laughs> oh. <laughs> and Hitler, for that matter. I think this work is amazing, but I do, like, especially watching Eyes Wide Shut, that's a big one for me, where I'm like, there's a great movie just outside of this movie. That's right. Eyes Wide Shut mm-hmm. is Kubrick's version of The Irishman for Scorsese. Welcome back, Martini Giant fans. This is episode number 40, which is Wes Anderson Films, something that has been a fan request for a long time that we cover Wes Anderson. Uh, in fact, uh, they requested it for a long time, and we recorded this a long time ago as well. Uh, February 18th is when we actually recorded this. This is the last episode I still had in the bank where we were all in person. And I don't know why I was holding off on this one, but uh, we did. It's a really good episode, actually. It's a lot of fun. Uh, it includes three of Wes Anderson films, Bottle Rocket from 1996, Rushmore from 1998, and Grand Budapest Hotel from uh, 2014. Um, it was weird, sort of, you know, listening to this, realizing that when it was recorded, uh, the world was a very different place, and that we were able to uh, hang out together, and now we can't. But uh, nonetheless, it was really interesting to hear everyone's take on these films, and what we thought of them, and how much it affected us. Some of the films affected us personally, because they resonated so much with each one of Eric and Dan and myself um, and how we were kind of outcasts and these films tend to sound a little more true when you're a social outcast. Anyway, hopefully you guys will enjoy this great series of films by Wes Anderson. I'm actually officially recording now. Here we are. So there you go. Uh, so it's yeah. this is a LaCroix. I got some uh, I got some yogurt I'm doing. Trader Joe's Sky Skyer yogurt, Icelandic style. I like the Icelandic style. It is, yeah. right? Yeah, it's good. I like it. It's weird. But it's it's like super dense. It's Yeah, what's well, sort of paste. Might as well be cheese. Yeah, it's um, caulking, it's, I think, is another. <laughs> so you can use it if yogurt were to become caulking, that would <laughs> yeah. be Icelandic yogurt. Mm. Do you like yogurt? Oh, it's horrible. You don't like yogurt? Uh, try the Icelandic yogurt. <laughs> is it too sour? No, get it in the nice. In the you don't like the sour, Eric? Gun no, uh, I like frozen yogurt, but yeah. the consistency of regular yogurt, it's like, you know, look like at this. Breeding look at this. horses. Look at, <laughs> bleeding horses? Breeding, like horse breeding. <laughs> right. There's something about it. I was like, it's yeah, no, I think it's, it's very. Uh, it's very I, uh, well, I don't understand breeding horses. Nothing. Forget it. Do you want to see horses breed? No. Same feeling. Well, it's like anything, it's anything it's else that breeds. It's the consistency of horses breeding. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, it's like – You understand the, the analogy. <laughs> I'm not even sure, but I, I, I love it. It has – it's it's almost like a semen. It's a disgusting – like for me. No, hold on a second. I'm, look at this. I'm just saying. Look at this. This is not semen. That's, Unless semen <laughs> – Go to the hospital. Chris is like <laughs> – that is, uh, I was at a party like years this, ago. This is so dense. Icelandic yogurt is so dense. It looks like zinc unless oxide. Unless you took you put a on your lot nose. of liquid out of the semen, like you would in yogurt. I'm glad we're getting the semen talk out early yeah, in this podcast just, it's instead just, of waiting until it's the end. a gooey shit. I don't like. Yeah, no, I understand that. I understand but it's that. not gooey. That's not gooey. Look at this. That this is, is dense. Do you, like, do you like cream cheese? No. 
Oh, okay. There you go. So there. That, that's How do you feel do. about other kinds of paste? <laughs> like these. Look at this. All these paste-like things, and then you're not um, going for it. Some paste, but it's just the 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 mucilage. Do you like mucilage? No, that's disgusting. Yeah, that's the that's the worst. What about icing? Disgusting. Yeah. What about icing on a cake? You know, it's a little. Actually, I have a thing. As I get older, I think it's that too much sugar. Mm-hmm. Like icing is like you can feel the grains oh, of yeah, sugar. Yeah, that's yeah. Too, that, like and that. that just throws you off. Like I don't like I don't like a lot of sugar anymore. Yeah, you flame out. Like you burn out. Like uh, your head spins yeah. if it's too much. Okay, but what about consistency of icing as opposed to the sugar content of it? It's rougher. Ah, mm-hmm. so the graininess. Yeah, it's the grit. The grit the is grit. fine. It's only when it gets like that smooth, m- milky. I don't like milk. You don't like milk. Oh. I eat uh, every morning at 3 o'clock. But I do like bat semen, and that's a weird thing. Oh, yeah, thing. of course. Well, like, that's, we didn't, yeah. I mean, obviously everybody does. But I mean, the, in the, at 3 o'clock in the morning, I have um, my cat wakes me up to be fed and so I go and feed my cat and three o'clock in the morning yeah and I can't tell why don't you, you just leave an empty to feed your cat at 3 a.m. yeah and then I, and I have uh, breakfast you and wake I up at three yeah to right yeah yeah and what uh, time do you go to bed uh 10 usually and uh and I get up at, I get up again at about um 6 30 so I, I write for an hour or hang out for an hour and and then uh, go to sleep again and then wake up at 6 30 but at um at three uh, feed my cat, and then I have, have some Weetabix, yeah, which I have oh, to I have to special. Weetabix order. is good. Weetabix is super good, super good. Yeah, very and English, like, and it's uh, and it's the most perfect cereal you can buy because it's like three bucks a box or whatever. But the entire box is what? How do you? What's the portal of Weetabix? Is the we, we talked about this before? What what abeces? What is that? Like matrices, matrix, oh, Weetabix, Weetabeces, Weetabeces. So yep. it's filled with it is top to bottom. Wittabeses, uh-huh. and uh, there's no there's no wasted volume in that box, right? And uh, and it's one hundred as opposed to like a bag of potato chips, yeah, which is just yeah, exactly. Mostly it's all air, yeah, it's, right. all, it's, it's like, like an ten percent potato chips, right. and the rest is air. Yes, yeah. but the uh, but Weetabix are perfect because they have no um, natural flavor of their own. They just make milk crispy, and I think that that's uh. the uh, it's a it's a purely textual event plus you know there's as much you know fiber in there as a ball of twine it's it's right well i, I yeah. was eating balls of twine at three o'clock in the morning right. but with a cat he it's, gets very it's distracted cold and blow. it's yeah, pretty much cold and blow. Yeah, that's yeah. true remember that textural that's what i like in the morning good texture yeah buddy that's my weedabix story how's everybody like doing it. i'm doing good excellent i'm doing good mm-hmm. uh so uh this Suggestion of uh, the podcast actually came from Eric. Mm-hmm. Really? Uh, yeah, it did. Uh, How come uh, I don't long, remember Long this? way around. Well, because we always like try to figure it out. But honestly, uh, inspired by Olivia, because I think uh, your daughter um, uh, loves uh, Wes Anderson films, right? Yeah, we did the whole weekend. We watched uh, all of them. A lot of them. We, right? Yeah, blitzed right we through. watched four. Right. Or you watched one more than you even needed to. I know. I made yeah. a mistake. I thought it was uh, – um, Royal Tenenbaums? Royal. Yep. Oh, I love Royal Tenenbaums. Yeah, that's a good which one. Which was the one that was missing for me. Right. So right. I watched three, mm-hmm. but uh, Royal Tenenbaums would have been another one. Yep. Uh, so anyway, Wes Anderson Films. Yes. Yes. And um, the choices were interesting and – there's a lot of Wes Anderson films. Mm-hmm. And Wes Anderson himself 
has become almost a parody of Wes Anderson. <laughs> He's sort of known for a very particular groove these days. Yes, uh, and, and I yeah. don't think that's fair. Yeah, no, like he's because a lot of people were ragging on him because his new trailer was out for the French Dispatch, which is mm-hmm. uh, coming out uh, a couple yeah. months. Um, and the trailer was very good and looked really great. And uh, and people did the the standard sort of Twitter drop the Twitter hammer on it uh, for looking like every other Wes Anderson film, right? Um, and uh, and yeah, I mean, like I I I I think their complaint is logical. But I don't think that's what they're complaining about. What are, what are your thoughts? I didn't see the trailer. Hmm. I I know what they're saying, mm-hmm. but it's really interesting. He's really he has his. It's almost now when I see these movies, the first thing it's almost like he's doing it so old friends could get together and be in a film. Together. Oh yeah, he's definitely collecting. Oh a crew my god, with each one right. Which is going to bring me back to Budapest Hotel. Okay. Yes. So let's talk about the three movies that we were assigned. This is Martini Giant, a movie podcast. Uh, <laughs> three VFX yes. people talking about movies. Yes. Number so one in Sri Lanka. The three movies that we were assigned, which were actually suggestions by Eric. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't recall making those suggestions, but okay. Yeah, that's a fine. We're all You're, You're whispering in your sleep. Yeah. Really? Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Bottle Rocket. Mm-hmm. The Rushmore. The second one. And Grand, Grand Budapest, Budapest Hotel. Hotel. Which is the nth one. I can't remember which one. Right. So. 2014. Mm-hmm. Here's uh, – the first Wes Anderson film that I ever saw mm-hmm. was Rushmore. And you loved it. Um, I think it's the perfect movie. Mm. I love it to such an extreme. And it has very, very, very personal things going on in my life that make it – very, very, very special. You and I are in the same boat on this one, my friend. And I'm going to get into that mm-hmm. through this podcast. I had never seen Bottle Rocket, believe it or not. You'd never seen Bottle Rocket? No. Wow, that was the first one I saw. Right, which is yeah, his first film, yep. right? Yep. Which is also very good. Yep. I liked it yep. a lot. And then Grand Budapest Hotel, I've seen uh, several times as well. Right. Did you ever have a touch to lose, Mr. Kumar? Oh, my God. It's perfect. The movie's perfect. Get back yeah. in positions. Get back in positions. <laughs> Come on, you assholes. Come on. <laughs> so, Who's that man? That's Applejack, man. What's the matter with you, Kumar? Who's oh that my. man? <laughs> Who's that man? I lost uh, my touch. I don't know. Did you ever have a touch to lose, man? <laughs> oh, Kumar. my God. Yeah, I've... Um, <laughs> I I uh, so it just as the, the so we guess we're doing the overview of our of our feelings our Wes the, Anderson feelings. But we by can. the way, does anybody? I haven't seen Rushmore in years, mm-hmm. and I love it because of the music, man, like the everything who. about well, the music. Oh. But the thing is, did anybody catch the Heat reference? Oh yeah, first oh, yeah. thing, yeah, That's yeah, so yeah. funny. Fuck, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Ready Demolition. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we That's talked about it on the Heat episode. So fucking great, man. We talked about it on the Heat episode, yes. didn't we? Yeah, I believe so. I believe so. That is one of my all-time favorite. It references. is. It is so good. <laughs> it's so good. Ready Demolition. <laughs> 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 oh my god! Oh my god. First of all, let's talk about that actor. Jason Schwartzman. Jason Schwartzman. Whose mother. Whose mother. Italia Shire. Italia Shire. Yeah, that's right. Who did amazing uh, acting. And mm-hmm. his uncle is? Uh, Francis Ford Coppola. And yes. he is what? Brother to Roman Coppola? Or cousin to Roman Coppola? Cousin, I think. Cousin to Roman Coppola. Yes. And cousin to Sofia Coppola. 
Yes. Uh, director extraordinaire. And distant cousin to someone who has been on a Marty or CG Garage. This is true. Yes. And, yeah. uh, and, uh, and that person is not. Uh, Nicholas Cage, but Nicholas Cage is also related to this. Yes. Yeah, there's a, actually, there's, if you go to, uh, uh, if you go to, to the internets and you look up the Coppola family tree. Good God. Yeah. God. It the is. Talented yeah. pool that's, this it looks like a map of the New York City subway. Yeah. <laughs> it's really pretty yeah. insane. Uh, yeah. I was, I was with, uh, a particular person and mm-hmm. we were talking to, um, I'll, I, I'll drop this name. We were talking to um, uh, Tom Cruise. Oh, Mr. Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise. And uh, we were talking to him and he was like, yeah, my, my uncle is, you know, quote unquote uncle is, uh, mm-hmm. is Coppola. And he goes, my God, that guy's intense. He goes, yeah. You should try having Thanksgiving dinner with him. <laughs> Dude, when Tom Cruise tells you someone's intense, yeah. that's intense. Yeah. <laughs> that is intense. Yeah. Anyway, pretty cool. Yeah, that's pretty, pretty cool. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so Schwartzman, mm-hmm. uh, fabulous actor, very young in this movie. Yeah. Do, do you have – I have trouble pronouncing his full name without stopping in between. Jason Schwartzman? Yeah, I can't – I always mess it up. I'm Jason Schwartzman. It always, really? it always goes off the Jason rails. Jason Schwartzman. I have to stop. Schwartzman. I have to put a little plug right in the middle of it. Jason oh. Schwartzman. That's it. You did a good job. That's though. the best I can do. That's right. the best I'll do all night long. Well job. Yeah. Well job, everybody. <laughs> well job. Um, but yeah, the uh, I, I love Schwartzman. I think he's great in everything he's done. But he set such a standard as Max Fisher in Rushmore. Like yeah. it is the champion role of his entire life. There will be nothing like that for – Ever, ever again. That is one of my all-time favorite film characters. I don't know how he can – he's done – and he, and he's a good actor. He's really he's great. Really good. I love him. I he's love, a good actor. Many, many he's many done films. amazing things. He was also good – sorry. Go ahead. In Shop Girl. Oh, yeah. That's right. Shop Girl. Oh, Shop Girl. Nice. It's a good book too. I like, I like That Martin. book I like. Yeah, man. Martin's a great writer. Really good writer. Um, can but, I rip this out? It's, yeah. No, it's it's attached. It's an armature and it's flexible. We're talking about the microphones. Yeah, and you can okay. Keep going, guys. Keep going. Now. We get the hustle on. It's nice. Yeah, uh, but yeah, no. I'm a big Schwartzman fan. I like. Him. He was. Uh, gosh, what else? Like he he can play. Uh, actually, he was wonderful on a show with Ted Danson called. Uh, um, uh, was he? Yeah, he was. He's great. I mean, he's he's Jason Schwartzman. But yeah, like that's like that's the that's the kind of stuff he does well. Where it's just sort of like. Nerdy and uncomfortable. He was too Schwartzman-y. He was too Schwartzman-y? <laughs> right. So, okay. <laughs> all right. Every time. So if oh, you're going to Coppola it, right, mm. is Jason Schwartzman and Nicolas Cage Related? like two Schwartzman, two Cage? Oh, I, mean, I would love to see Cage in a Wes uh, Anderson film. Right. That's what I would like to see. Schwartzman also did a character on uh, Grand Budapest Hotel. Yeah. He did. He was the bellhop that put the cigarettes in his. Oh, that's right. Yeah, the worn out bellhop. I, I totally yeah. forgot about. Yeah, because yep. lots, lots of great little uh, Wes Anderson cameos in that picture. That um, that that's the that's the entire point of that movie is yeah. cameos. It's cameos galore in that thing. Yeah, like I have um I uh, to put my cards on the table. I uh, uh, Rushmore is definitely one of the one of the movies I've connected to most in my life. Like that's a top twenty movie for me, and like I know. Every line and a cry every time I see it. Um, uh, it's the perfect movie. It is a perfect, perfect movie. Uh, I'm also deeply in love with Bottle Rocket, which is one of the best first films I've ever seen. Yep. And um, 
and it has a like these two movies uh uh are the reason why i uh the further we get from those movies the more i miss those movies in his in his arsenal right. and so i understand where people come from oh with the with the sentiment of just like he's just made the same movie, like I don't, he can make the same fucking movie. If he, made, if he made Rushmore every time, I wouldn't complain. If he made Bottle Rocket every time, I wouldn't complain. Um, but past a certain point, and I think it varies for everybody. Like there's an emotional disconnect for me, and I start feeling like these characters are just actors who I know showing up and doing a really nifty dress up job on it, like the most expensive. Saturday Night Live yes. skit of all time. Okay, thank you. Thank you for saying that. Yeah. Because that's exactly the way I felt. So if I go to Bottle Rocket and I'm like, because I've never seen Bottle Rocket, mm-hmm. but I've seen Wes Anderson films, yeah. obviously, but I've never seen Bottle Rocket. Yeah. So I look back at it and I was like, okay, try to imagine first time director's idea, et cetera. And by the way, you should all, if you haven't seen Bottle Rocket, go see it because. Yeah. If you see Miracle. Luke Wilson and Owen Wilson looking very young. Super young. Super charming. Super, super just like charming. Unbelievably disarming. So charming. you see all this little potential in this yeah. idea. And it's it's basically a heist film. Yeah. A, a stupid heist film. Yeah, goofy but, heist, heist film. By design mm-hmm. and funny. Mm-hmm. And so you see that whole thing go happening. And it's like, oh, okay, that's pretty interesting. Right. Get it. Uh, but I already know what Wes Anderson is because of Rushmore, because right. that was the first film I've seen from him. Right. So Rushmore to me is like this. That's the gold standard. That's the gold standard. Yeah. Yeah. After that, that's everyone, where he gets everything correct. Like he balances every, everything. And then after that, it was like, oh my god, uh, he is a talent of character development mm-hmm. to the point of. If you are a character, you're going. The best character you can be is a character in a Wes Anderson film. Oh yeah, I mean, there's so much. There, there's so, so much lovely detail and fun to everything that he does. Right. So now you fast forward to Grand Budapest Hotel, right. where it's like, I want to be in a Wes Anderson film. Right. Tilda Sweeney, yeah. Hiver Cartel, yeah. whoever. Right. Yeah. Like every, like you know, uh, William Dafoe. Everyone is yeah. like, I want to be a character in a Wes Anderson right. film. To the point where it doesn't even matter. Yeah, and this is this is my problem. And like I, uh, this is the second time I've seen Grand Budapest, and I liked it a lot more this time. But yeah. I, I, but I just like it's a very frustrating movie for me because like I can feel how great this movie could be if it. It's all about like I'm gonna prote- I'm gonna show you a character, and right. you're gonna see a celebrity right. played for yeah, because like five there's, minutes. There's some there's some real. Uh, beautiful golden moments in this movie. Right. And I would say that Ray Fiennes is killing it the entire time. He's just great. He's doing He's great. the best yeah, one in He's it. the best one in the whole he's movie. He's doing really, really, really well. Fantastic. Um, Do you think because he's not in on the gag? Yeah, well, then, yeah, it's like he's not, he's, he's not playing it for yucks. You know, everyone else is like, I'm playing a stylized character. And Do you, th- quickly, yeah. sorry. Do you think in order to have those beautiful sets and all that beautiful stuff, you need to hire all these actors so you can get the money to do it. I, I mean, maybe. I mean, I think he has such a following now that he, he probably can get whatever he wants. I bet, I bet yeah. you he can get all those actors to play for yeah, free, just like for SAG fun. minimum. Free. I think. I think though that like, show up for a day yeah. on set. Yeah, 
And the, like, and I think like I think that everyone's very entertaining in that movie. I think that you know, like uh, Adrian Brody's entertaining, and Tilda Swinton's entertaining, and like everyone does a fun job. It's Jeff fun. Goldblum. Jeff Goldblum's fun. You know, it's fun. Um, and there's a thread of depth to it that sort of you know comes to fruition at the end when it's like the 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 you know the undercurrent of um, Nazism that's building in the movie. It you know, it eventually gets serious enough to land the movie in a serious space oh, in that right. last five minutes. And it's, and it's solid, but like, I don't, I just don't really give a shit about anybody. Like I kind of like, um, um, Ray Fiennes. Like I like him and I think that he's really delivering. Um, but I'm not emotionally attached to these people. Like the way I am with like bottle rocket. I've seen like countless times. Sure. And like the relationship between Owen Wilson and Luke Wilson who play, uh, Dignan and Anthony respectively, like, it's the most emotionally true, like, a friendship you can ask for in a movie. Like, you just, you just like, I fucking love these guys. They Bob love each other. Bob Maplethorpe. Bob Maplethorpe. Bob Maplethorpe, potential getaway driver, go. <laughs> Man, know? I just want to be part of a crew. Don't oversell yourself. Don't touch the gun. Don't touch the gun. <laughs> that was a stop sign. Yeah, I mean, what like, I, I mean, literally the, reset the entire movie. You sit there and you're like, are people really that stupid? Oh, and God, it's, like, it's, it's beautiful. They are really that stupid, yeah. which is fun. Yeah. Here's the thing. They're really that stupid, mm-hmm. which makes the movie really easy to follow. Oh, yeah. I mean, like it's – Because it's there's so... no – this isn't this isn't like, you know, some like La Carre film, you know. Yeah, there's no – This is, this is guys... like – this is a bunch of really dumb people yeah, making dopey really friends. dumb choices. Yeah. But, they're, but they're such – good people like i mean right. anthony is a good person and like inez is a good person and you just <sighs> like like the the love story between anthony and inez you're just like when uh okay so i suppose we should, we should break this down a little bit like let's break it down let's um, go let's let's go to uh let's go to uh specifically bottle rock bottle rock okay right. so bottle rockets i think 1995 1996 uh it's based on the short film that he made of the same name uh, and uh, workshopped, I think, via maybe Sundance. I'm not he sure. workshopped at Sundance. I think Steve Martin saw it and he said, that's got to get made. Oh, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Uh, it has uh, James Kahn uh, in it, who's hysterical. Is it James Kahn or Jimmy Kahn? Jimmy, that's Jimmy Kahn. Jimmy right Kahn. Jimmy Jimmy Kahn. Kahn. Who teaches a boxing class over at uh, uh, Gold's Gym. Oh, God bless that guy. Oh, my God. He is so James Kahn. I ran Kahn. into James. Yeah. Jimmy. How, how was Jimmy doing? I don't know. It golds. was so this good when he this was, was like 20 years ago. Yeah. So I shouldn't really, should really talk about it like I know him. He just asked me if I was done with my set. Yeah, Were you, were you done with the set? <laughs> I, well, when Jimmy showed up, when yes, fucking I was. Jimmy asked you, you are. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, no, and, uh, nice guy. Yeah, he seems like a nice guy. He, he, he's a big uh, Twitter guy. He tweets a lot. Really? Yeah, it's really funny. Oh, uh, I should I, follow I, his Twitter. I follow, uh, I follow Mr. Khan. I appreciate uh, all of the... All the sassy jokes he throws. That's very nice. When he was doing that karate with that guy. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, got a rowboat. <laughs> like, now, not too fast. Too fast. But um, the, 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 the basic uh, idea of Bottle Rocket is you have a bunch of friends who dream of being criminals in a very little kid romanticized way. More specifically, thieves, you know, just sort of Owen like, Wilson's character. Yeah. Like, who just – drags his other friends into it right. because he seems to sell a really good romantic view that everyone seems to go along with it. Right. And I think the, the because thing I don't that, think Luke Wilson's character really thinks about this. Yeah. He's just doing it because his friend is Anthony's like, on the on the verge of growing up. 
I mean, he may be 24, but like they, like there are a bunch of little boys essentially. Yeah. And, right. and, and Anthony has gone through some sort of, you know, like he's, uh, he went, uh, like he spent a summer at a, um, uh, he says a mental hospital, but it's obviously a very low key establishment where right? just yeah. a little bit of therapy. You can check yourself out. You check yourself out. And, uh, and it's, it gives off the feeling of like when your slightly older friend, like, like doesn't go off to college per se, but it's like, just like, isn't, you don't see him for a summer or whatever it is. And he comes back and it's just sort of like, there's a weird Anthony's grown up and everyone else's little kids. And so Anthony is very anxious about like their, their childhood friendship is sort of going away mm-hmm. and Dignan his best friend is uh, aggressively trying to recapture it, and he's right. just like, "We are going to hit the road, and we're going to rob, um, you know, rob yeah. bookstores." And, he he uh, wants uh, robbing a fucking, fucking bookstore. bookstore. It's incredible. It's the dumbest thing ever. And these are this is not a violent movie at, it's at like all. Robbing like, a library. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And so they have, they come up with this idea to, or Dignan comes up with this idea, like we're going to be criminals. We're going to hit the road. We're going to you know, go on a robbing spree and. Uh, and so they do this uh, with their buddy Bob, Bob Mapplethorpe, and uh, <laughs> Bob Mapplethorpe. And the names uh, are first of all Dignan. Dignan, yes, uh, stupid name. And it was, it's based on a real guy they know who's who's in Rushmore. He's the um, the record spinner in Rushmore. Is as <sighs> someone Dignan? It's the, it's the last name. All right. And uh, and so uh, these guys uh, are all doing this to impress. Mr. Henry and Mr. Henry is James Conn. No, Dignan is Dignan specifically is doing that. Yeah, Dignan is trying to put it together to impress Mr. Henry. Right. And Mr. Henry runs the uh, a landscaping a company. landscaping company called the Lawn Wranglers, uh, the Lawn Wranglers, and uh, and he also is a criminal on the side, or the landscaping is a front, and he's a criminal who steals stuff from people's houses. Right. And uh, and it they go on this trip. It doesn't, it, it doesn't go wrong, but it doesn't go right. Right. And uh, they go on the they go on, they go on the lamb. They go on the lamb, <laughs> but they don't really need to. They don't need to. No. They stole they stole like two hundred dollars yeah. from a Barnes and Noble. Yeah, that's about it. And uh, they I didn't even re- know that. I think it was like a college bookstore. Yeah, it's like <laughs> tiny bags. Exactly. Yeah, it's like it's a ridiculous. Right. Yeah, and uh, they feel like they feel like they robbed the bank, but no. And they they did Why not. Why do you have tape on your nose? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like they they uh, they're they're not inco- they're not incompetent. It's just like the whole plan is so silly, right? Yeah. And feel like Eric and I are trying to steal like rob mommy from a bank. It's, it's not going to happen. It's it's, go- it's goofball. We'd be bad at it. They end up spending all their time in uh, at this um, like kind of crappy little motel where Anthony meets the uh, one of the workers there named Inez. He falls in love with her. Yeah, um, she she cleans the rooms. She cleans the rooms, and she's super sweet. And they and like they make friends with her and whatever her brother, right. and uh, and uh, Anthony uh, falls in love with Inez, and he feels so um, bad about just sort of leaving her there that he leaves her all the money that they stole. And which is like three hundred dollars. Which is like three hundred bucks. And uh, <laughs> and Dixon gets really pissed off. Dixon gets really pissed off, and their friendship is fractured for a bit. But then they they are both very sad when they're alone. They finally come back together now that they've impressed Mr. Henry. And specifically, Mr. Henry has heard that Bob Maplethorpe 
His family is rich. Very rich. And, uh, Very rich. And Dignan has let this be known to Mr. Henry. And Mr. Henry's like, you guys need to do a job for me. And he sends them off. On, uh, he sets them up to do a no, job. No, no. I want to do this all on my own. It's like, you got it, buddy. That's right. You got but it, But I'm going to send you with uh, two of my most trusted people. That's right. And uh, he he sends them with two guys to go rob a meat a fish Packing facility? Yeah, it's, it's the stupidest thing it's ever. Dumb plan. And it's about as stupid as as robbing a bookstore. Yes, and uh, and this, they do it, and they fail. Wrong. They fail miserably right. because they're that stupid. Right. Like can't even rob. And the two guys that he sent with him are just not helping, and it's just no. horrible. And the whole idea is to get Bob out of the house, uh, so Mr. Henry can go and. Clean out all of Bob's house. Bob's house is way more valuable than whatever the fuck they're doing. And so Bob's uh, family gets ripped off, and that's that's pretty much what happens. Uh, And uh, and uh, and Dignan gets uh, takes the fall for it. He's the only one who's caught um, at the fish uh, packing factory, and and ends up going to minimum security prison, uh, where um, the 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 friends come and visit him. And there's something like like he feels like there's a feeling at the end of the movie where you're like. Well, at least they at least they did something. You know, that's how Dignan feels about it. Like, man, we're cowboys. And there's this weird sadness to the ending that's incredibly poignant for well, such a silly movie. Okay. What was funny about it, let's just put it this way, is because uh throughout the entire movie, Dignan always had this like I got this weird idea. Mm-hmm. We're gonna do this crazy thing, we're gonna do this crazy thing, and you're like, that's a Terrible idea. Every time he said it, it was a terrible, terrible idea. But at the end of the movie, so he is on the, you know, you know, uh, he's incarcerated and he's like, all right, here's my plan. It's the best. We're going to, we're going to do this thing. And I know this is a total spoiler for you who guys who haven't seen it, but it's like, here's the thing. We're going to do this. He's walking along in line in prison and he's he's talking through the fence to his buddies. He's talking to his friends. It's like, here's what we're going to do. You're going to jump the fence. We do that. Remember, they don't shoot civilians ever. So you got to block the bullets because they'll never show it. And they're like, what the hell? And they start to do it. They're like, okay, let's, they're like, like, oh no, we got to do this. And then what you realize is that he actually was joking. Yeah. Which to me was one of the most beautiful parts of that movie. Oh, it's and it wasn't until the last five minutes you yeah. realized like, oh, he realizes how stupid he's been yeah. the whole time. Yeah, I mean, because he, grows, he basically he grows up. He grows, he grows up. up and yep. he makes fun of himself. Yep. And then uh, to spo- I'm going to spoil that line, his great line. You can skip ahead five seconds when he says uh, the last line when he goes, isn't it funny how you used to be in the nuthouse and now I'm in jail? Right. Yeah. And it's just like. Oh man, like it's so, it's such a beautiful moment of realization. And you're just like, this dude that, like his child, like you feel sad for that child, like Dignan to be gone. Right. And he is, but he is a grown up guy who's facing responsibilities now. I know. You know, and it's such a beautiful, uh, yeah, it's a beautiful moment of like in the, in, a, in like a very, very light, silly movie. Len, like just, did you, go ahead. I did you recognize fart, no. any of the places? In uh, in that movie, yeah, uh, in Texas, yeah, in Houston, no, but uh, I, we'll get to Rushmore because I recognize a lot of a lot of Rushmore. I bet, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I can't say enough good stuff about Bottle Rocket. It's such a sweet and beautiful, and it and it has all the seeds for it was a lot of. It was a really I, again, 
it was interesting because I had never seen that movie until uh, a week ago. Mm-hmm. So it was interesting to see that because obviously Wes Anderson now is a different person than he was back right. then. Right. So I was thinking about it. I was like, that's a really good first film. That's a really good solid yeah. first film. Oh, my God. And, it's uh, like Boogie Nights. Yeah. I mean, because emotionally, it's so together. It's well, so that was his good. And it's, it's, so there's a lot of things to me that uh, are impressive uh, when it comes to first films, mm-hmm. one is if you can do if you can convey a lot of good entertainment and emotional connection right. with a low budget, yeah, totally, right? totally, and that's possible. Uh, and uh, with specifically to 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 what what Wes Anderson does is he gives really good actors the opportunity to deliver a character, yeah, right. So. Uh, Wes Anderson specifically, if you look back at that first film, that's all about character. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And it's all coming from these – because he's known these guys for his whole life. Right. And they've all known each other in real life. So so Luke and and Owen Wilson have been good friends with Wes Anderson for a long time. But even like Ines, right? Her character is so good. Her – Subtlety to her smiles and her quirks, and the and the fucking chemistry between her and Anthony is ridiculous. Right, like when because I mean, like they don't even speak the same language, and yeah. uh, and he's like looking at the tiny little photograph, and he's like, "Can I keep? Can this? I keep this?" And he's, That's my sister, and he's like, oh, "You look just like her. She's in Paraguay, <laughs> little girl in Paraguay." <laughs> just like, like you don't even know what the fuck what, that means. What, you don't even know. Like, uh, and she's like, Go, okay, okay. Just keep the keep the only picture of like, my sister that yes. I keep in a locket, and, and I hug like, every night. And she, I mean, the thing is, I mean, she has like Inez is a oh, she's a gro- she's a grown up. Like she's oh, yeah. yeah, like she's a she's a, an actual person who's like sure. And she's just looking at it like uh, Anthony is like. This is a you know like this is a cute cute dude and you know I'll fool around with him it's gonna be a good time, but he's so um, sort of guileless and sweet that she really does fall for him, and so like the fact that like uh, that she falls for him made me like Anthony even more. Mm-hmm. And then when like when uh, when he like there's this awesome misunderstanding where uh, like Vanessa uh, after uh, they leave Vanessa tells her brother. Uh, to tell her brother. Oh, rather tell to tell Dignan. Sorry, tells Dignan, tell Anthony I love him, right? And uh, and it just gets mistranslated into. And, well, it's not a brother. That's the thing, right? Oh, yeah, it's yeah. just some random guy. Yeah. So yeah, tell Anthony I love him. It ends up with that. Like Anthony thinks the dude said that he loved him, and he's just like just a okay, mixed up kid, man, yeah, crazy mixed up kid. I don't know. Like, and it's just sort of like he's just like, oh well, I guess that's sweet, but I didn't feel that kind of connection, and. And later in the movie, when he realizes that it was a mistranslation, he spends 20 minutes at least trying to get Inez on the phone from the motel. And when he goes, I hear on the street that you love me. <laughs> it was like, that is the coolest fucking line I've ever heard. Yeah. They're going to be together for the rest of their but lives. It's, it's super childish. <laughs> it's so good. It's, yeah. so it's super good. childish. I, I mean – I don't want to bring this in, but I'm dealing with like um, my son mm-hmm. is dealing with that right now. We're like very, very, very early puppy love. Like, oh, oh, yeah, like, crushable. You know, yeah. Crush yeah. this. Yeah. Oh, well, like this person likes yeah. me or that. Like that's what it felt like. Yeah, Except totally. they're like 
twenty five years, years old. Twenty five years old. It's and it's magical, man. Like he gets this. It's so, so stupid. Right. It's, it's like, so dumb. It's like tell this person that I love this person, and like oh, it's secret. Like it's like so childish. Yeah. Which is that's the thing that's interesting about this movie. It's like these are really children. These are yeah. it's like 100%. watching a bunch of very young children right. robbing. Yeah, I mean, it's almost like, almost like watching what's the uh, Bugsy Malone, you know, in a way where, right. you're, where you're just like, like it seems like everything is so weirdly out of place, and like you're just like these are a bunch of grown people that are all acting like you know twelve year olds, but you really feel that emotion, like it really I feels think, real. Thank you for saying that because that's exactly what it's getting at. Is like these characters were uh, so worth it. Yeah, absolutely. So worth investment and even though we're talking about them like they're idiotic and immature yeah which they are <laughs> they, they absolutely 100 yeah. percent are yeah. they were 100 percent worth your attention yeah they're incredibly lovable characters and the and the the emotion that you like in and just landing that one little serious note at the end of the movie suddenly bakes in the rest of my rest of the movie experience to me i'm like yeah. whoa all this was really worth it now yeah because you know? it's a growth yeah. Like what you're seeing is like, oh, if I hadn't done all that, I couldn't be here yeah, now. Yeah, I couldn't be here now. You know, and I couldn't re- realize the value of what I have. Yeah. You know, and 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 out of that you have like all these incredible uh hilarious lines that are just like like flawlessly delivered classic lines and there's like a hundred of them in this movie. And like uh, one of the best ones uh when Anthony is uh uh he's uh uh, talking about the time that he spent in the mental mental institution, and uh, and uh, the and this girl's asking him like, why 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 were you there? You know, and it's like, well, you know, I was you know, I was dating this girl, and you know, I was hanging out with her family, and you know, and we're sitting by the sitting by the pool, and uh, suddenly I realized that uh, she she said to me, do you want to you know go out for a swim or do you want to play racquetball? And it's like, not only did I realize I didn't want to do either of those things. Uh, I didn't want to play any water sports or see any of these people for the rest of my life. <laughs> like, and it's so like Frank and obvious that he's like, I, I, I realized that the people around me were shitheads. So I left like, that's not crazy. That's, Smart. <laughs> like, but that's what led him to a mental institution. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Man. Oh man. Yeah. It's it's a and uh, as far as Wes Anderson goes, uh, like I think that his between this and then um, Rushmore, uh, Rushmore maintains all of that emotion and all that character skill and all that lovability, and then adds an unreal level of technical skill like i don't know the jump between bottle rocket and rushmore is like startling like he's suddenly incredibly good is at that his movies. second film that's the second like movie. Food film yeah okay well eric yeah but the, i think the thing is too is like the movement in rushmore is so different it doesn't it has the curtains and the prosceniums and right and it opens right. up and it's it's almost like it's very formal yeah, yeah. but it's 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 painterly because everything, the the movement in Bottle Rocket I like because mm-hmm. at least you feel, uh, it's very and it's almost like <clears throat> since Rushmore it's become static, static, static. Mm-hmm. Right. And I do love his style and his look, mm-hmm. and the frames are better, you know, sometimes than the actual movie. Agreed. Um, but the 
It is. A, I'm wondering if that was always his intent, but because he had to make the first movie and with a budget, mm-hmm. he had to. Oh, yeah, this is, we, we've said, you know, said this before. Like, we, like the best, the best way to learn how to make a movie is to have no money and make a movie. Well, know? it just seemed. But I'm saying somebody gave him James Brooks. I think gave him the money yeah, right. to do it, and yeah. so I'm wondering if his choice for DP and how he imagine if Bottle Rocket was set up like Rushmore. Yeah, but Bottle Rocket wouldn't work as Rushmore. No, yeah, right. but it's a different. Yes, it is. But I'm saying there's a lot of camera movement in um, the Bottle Rocket camera movement is so different than absolutely, and it, it feels like a naturalistic, uh, uh, free Eric, feeling. I think, I think he did exactly what you said you should do. If you're going to do a film, start with a heist film. <laughs> exactly. No, right? when in doubt, if you whatever you're doing, um, if you make a big budget film like i suggested to a director a particular director do your do a heist film because you'll have a tall, tiny budget and then you'll be able to it's always somebody's or a group of people who really don't have much choices left right, right. and it's in that decision making which is kind of good for actors because they really have to play a certain way right. because they know that this is their last string right and um, it also gives you the ability to just hunker down and really get um, to understand character and development. Absolutely. And, You're under and, pressure to do Under it. pressure. Right. And it's, you don't need a big budget to have – Well, because like, I mean as a, as a filmmaker, you're in the same situation as your characters. Yeah. Like you're pulling off a heist when you're making a movie that cheap. That's what's happening. You have to think that hard and you have to try and figure out your way around it. And so like it's it's just the most it's, – it's a very relatable position to be in and you're going to think harder about what you're trying to do and say because you only have one shot to say it, you know. And I think that like the uh, – you know, movies where the filmmaker – like some of the very best movies that I've ever seen like um, – Oh gosh, let's see. Like uh, Close Encounters, you know, we've talked about this before. Um, um, uh, for me, like Last Temptation of Christ is another one. These movies are secretly movies about filmmaking. You know, like Last Temptation of Christ is a movie where, like, Christ is trying to get his buddies together for this project. <laughs> you know, and it's such a fucking hassle to do it, and everyone wants to stop him that he forgets that he loves doing it until the very end, and he's like, "Oh shit, no, I love this." And then that's the end of the movie. That's why there's a literal film rollout at the end of the movie. Mm. You know, Close Encounters is about is an artistic statement about art about art itself and the practice of art. Yeah, Truffaut's. Yeah, you know that's why you put fucking Truffaut know, in the movie. I know. Yeah. You know, like that's like you're not putting one of the great film directors in your movie if it's not about making fucking movies. <laughs> like that's that's it. And I feel like Bottle Rocket is like so. Um, it's so about the experience of making Bottle Rocket. You know, that that's what that's what connected these guys and that's what made it work, you know, and that's what gave him all the skills to level up for his next next picture. Because I, I agree, like the formalism that he immediately gets into with Rushmore, it's kind of shocking compared to like the looseness with which Bottle Rocket's, you know, done. Yeah. And like because Bottle Rocket actually reminds me more of um, um, what we've talked about before, the Joseph Gordon-Levitt heist movie. I love that movie. Yeah, it's incredible. Which right? one? Ugh. What's the title of that thing? It's great. Dave Bryant loves this too. It's really the look. The lookout. The lookout is the so lookout. good. The yeah. script is really good too. I have that script. I bought it. Oh, it's it's beautiful. It's such a great movie. Yeah, you know, and it's so it's so simple, uh, and so straightforward. And it's about a guy who's not you know, he 
He's gotten he's not got his brain all the way together, you know. And I think that like any any filmmaker can knows what that feels like. <laughs> you know, it's just like isn't that the I, writer of Crash? I'm gonna have to look that up. I'm gonna look that up. Keep keep talking. I'm gonna look this up right now. Um, yeah, I it's an interesting. Um, they are two two different movies completely, mm-hmm. and uh, but Rushmore, there's a rawness mm-hmm. um, that I really love, and the music really blew me away. Oh. The oh, music so is is such a primary role in the movie. Um, but but even in Bottle Rocket at the end with the Stone song from what is it? Uh, yeah, uh, so uh, good. Uh, well, obviously, for but what music was? music is an important like uh, uh, he knows the power of music and is willing to throw down some dollars to get rights to music yeah, some big to stuff. make to make his movie the yeah, clash whatever you want man whatever so music is a big part of it right and i remember who was um uh bringing out the dead uh scorsese, scorsese yeah. he had some very big songs playing on that movie that I was like, whoa, Rolling oh, Stones, a lot of Rolling Stones, that kind of stuff, which I'm sure Scorsese can easily get the rights to that stuff. Right? Yeah. Well, I think because of Robbie Robertson, right? Doesn't he do the music for him? Who, Robbie? For oh, for Scorsese? Oh, I did not know that. I didn't Robbie know Robertson is his music guy. Oh, oh right, but right, right. didn't he – Robbie Robertson played for the band yeah. and yeah. did – Scorsese did. Uh, the, I mean, it makes sense. He made the last waltz. The last the waltz, band, right? The band movie. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which was uh, there was a parody of that called. Uh, I'm almost sure Robbie Robertson's done a ton of. I know he did Goodfellas. Right, right, right. Yeah, because I mean, like yeah, that's that's the end you have to have Casino. To, yeah, because right. like with uh, the Bottle Rocket, I'm so, I'm sure like because it's James L. Brooks, and um, and Steve Martin recognized it, and James Caan's in it. Like you get the, you probably get a lead in on getting some, you know, deals on rights. I think it was the James Brooks connection. Yeah, probably, probably so. Yeah, get some music. There are a couple of really great because music is so important, right? So obviously, I well, honest, we we can acknowledge this that 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 Rushmore would not be as good as it was if oh, it wasn't for the music. The music is perfect. Yeah. The music is and it's, a uh, it's, primary character. The, the music, uh, the soundtrack is by. Um, uh, uh, Mark Mothersbaugh, yeah. right? Uh, from um, the well, actual soundtrack, yeah, the as actual opposed soundtrack. to the, the 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 songs that are right. And uh, so, uh, Mark Mothersbaugh is from Devo, Devo, right? Right. And so it's a big trip. No, NRBQ. The, no, it's Devo, Devo. Yeah, and um, and he is like that was a big transition for him to do soundtracks, and he did a bunch of soundtracks after that, right? But, but to but then to choose this, like you think you're getting the guy from Devo, you're going to be like, you know. We are not men. We are Devo sound. Right. Instead, it's a fucking harpsichord. Yes. You know, and like it, it <laughs> like it's insane. Like the movie just absolutely defines itself in this yes. very, very specific style yeah. uh, uh, out of the blue. Like I was shocked when I first yes. saw it, you know, uh, and it has that uh, like unlike his like he's invested very heavily in this sense of style. Mm-hmm. Um, but the way that it played the first time, the when I, when I first saw Bottle Rocket, was like this is like it played as really sort of quaint and sweet, like right. like that, like all the all the formalism. I'm just like it's awesome that that this dude is trying to make an extremely formal film with no money at all. Yes, you know, and it, so it had a really gritty tangibility to it, and that uh, is symbolic. I thought 
of like the fight between the what the what the film aspires to be like you know, like here's the harpsichord music and all the very important you know like stylized visuals mm-hmm. and little curtains and all this kind of stuff it's all awesome and it's all a little rinky dink at the same time and that's what max is like max is you know he's this fucking He's a, he's a lowbrow hero in a highbrow world, you know, in in that movie. Yep. And that's what and it's the like he is an exp, like the movie is an expression of that voice. Yes. That's why that thing works. So, okay. So let's get into Rushmore a little bit. So Rushmore is a story of a kid at a uh prep school. Mm-hmm. Uh here's what's interesting about it. Um the whole movie is filmed actually in Houston, Texas, <laughs> right? Which right. is where I went to grad school, right? Right. right? But more interestingly, uh, it is played off as being something that might have been filmed in the Northeast. Oh, absolutely! I thought it was and, like Connecticut. Yes, you know. and the re- the way they do that is that they put these people that are in Houston, Texas, and put them in heavy coats. <laughs> it's so good. That is the trick they right, do. Right, right, right. But I will 100% tell you that everything that you see in Rushmore is actually Houston, Texas. And it looks exactly correct mm-hmm. because Houston, Texas <coughs> – excuse me. Houston, Texas is not the way that a lot of people would imagine it to be. Mm-hmm. It's actually very heavy uh-huh. because it is a humid – arduous environment that's got big live oak trees everywhere. So it's actually covered in shade and grass and darkness from the shade of the trees. But it is unbelievably hot. Uh So uh, all those people that were sitting in those heavy coats in Rushmore – Must have been broiling. Must have been broiling. Right. Right. Unbelievable. However, go back again – the reason it was all filmed in Houston, Texas is because that's, I believe, where Wes Anderson came from, mm-hmm. right? Yep, he grew up there. in that area, right? So so Luke Wilson, Owen Wilson, et cetera, et cetera, came from there. So I came from the Northeast mm-hmm. but moved to Houston, Texas, right. Right? <laughs> right? So I had both worlds. So the area in which – that uh, uh, Rushmore was filmed mm-hmm. was actually an area called River Oaks, right? River Oaks is the Beverly Hills, shall we say, mm-hmm. of the Houston area right. or the Greenwich, uh, Connecticut of the Houston area, <laughs> right, right? Right, right? These are people that are all come from old, old oil money, right? Mm-hmm. So a lot the of people- Ewings? The yeah, what? the Ewings. Yeah, yes, exactly. Right. All right. all those like so. <laughs> these, these are all people like yeah. You know, JR. I made a lot of money. I'm going to bring Bobby down if it takes so, you know, <laughs> so as in any area of this influence, mm-hmm. private school is the way to go. Right. right. So anyway, so that that school that he went to is a real school. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's believe I believe it's called Saint John. So mm-hmm. Rushmore is actually Saint John. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is right there in River Oaks, right there off Kirby or West Westheimer or whatever. It's it around Kirby, yeah. Yeah. So um, <laughs> See, off Kirby, it's it's Kirby, yeah. yeah, yeah. But you yeah, know where it is. Though. Yeah, by the um, uh, Whataburger. Left? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Whataburger. It is by the Whataburger. <laughs> you guys are so full of shit, but right on point. <laughs> but anyway, so that whole school was around that area. The 
high school that he goes to mm-hmm. afterwards when he gets kicked out of Rushmore is actually across the street from Rushmore. Oh, that's amazing. That's great. So he goes to both schools right. and they're across the street from each right, other. Right, right. That's hysterical. Really funny, right? Um, so anyway, um, the reason it was such a perfect movie for me is obviously there's a lot of connections there, right? Mm-hmm. So I went – I was always a kid that was out of place sure. for a long right. time in my youth when I was going through high school. When I first moved to the United States, I was 17 mm-hmm. and I went to a French school most of my life and right. I got thrown into a Rushmore school mm-hmm. and I was completely out of place and everyone was like, what are your credentials? Where's your money from? Of course. Et cetera, of course. Because they all came from these expenses. Right. And I'm like, uh, I don't understand. I don't, et cetera. It just didn't make any sense to me. So I felt a lot like Max in that area, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. except that Max dealt with it by saying, I love this school. I'm going to take full advantage of it except for my grades, right? So, <laughs> yes. so I took I, – I, I, I try to get high grades. Uh-huh. Max didn't care about his grades. He just did – beekeeping and whatever else. I was living the max lifestyle. I know. Yeah. <laughs> so 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 it was a very very like personal experience of like you know, I went to Hackley right. in Terrytown, New York. You went to Hackley? Yeah. What? You didn't know that? No. Yeah. Where's Hackley? Are you serious? What's Hackley? I used to play you guys. What? You were uh Greenwich Day, right? No, Trinity Pauling. Oh, you were Trinity? Yeah. Fuck yeah, man. Wow. We probably I did. used to play squash against you guys. Or I used to go to Oh, no, I was track and field. Women's? <laughs> what? It was a long way was for that, that joke. That was definitely That was solid. a good joke. That definitely was a good solid. joke. That was a good joke. <laughs> it's a long end, but man, it was worth the trip. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, Great joke. That wasn't a nice, nice I, setup. Nice setup. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> what did I say wrong? I, I was just no, being nothing, conversational. Nothing. It's all good. It's That's all the whole good. point of the podcast. <laughs> I can't believe you went to Hackley. Yeah, I went to Hackley. Yep. I was busy though because I was, you know, captain of the football team and stuff like that. But uh, no, I was not the captain of the football team. No, I wasn't. Either. Yeah, no. I, Harrison uh, Ford went to Hackley. Did he? No. Yep. No kidding. Yep. Harrison Ford. Uh, who else went to Hackley? Harrison Ford went to Hackley. Uh, yeah. He's from the Northeast? Uh, to, from, well, I don't know. That's I what thought people he was told from me when I was Northern Hackley. California. I don't know. I have no idea. I know. That's what I was told at Hackley. I don't know. Let's Fuck say. it. You know, we can Harrison check it. Out. Right. Uh, I, I do know for a fact, though, that uh, – what's his name? A famous architect. Uh, Louis Kahn. No, with the ground glasses. I am Pei. No. Cesar uh, Pelli. No. Uh, uh, Joseph uh, Goebbels. Johnson. Johnson. Um, yeah. No, uh, Philip Johnson. Philip Johnson went to Hackley. Hmm. PJ. Yeah. PJ went to Hackley. I spent an afternoon with that guy. I told you. He's a dickhead, like a little chicken head. I went to his house to have uh, a luncheon thing. Yeah, in New Canaan. Yeah, the glass at the glass house. house. Yeah. You fucker. Are you serious? Yeah. You went to the glass house. I went to the glass house in. Okay, I- I'm sorry. Just so, the glass house is one of the most important pieces of architecture. Yeah, in, in the Canaan. world as a as a residence, and you played squash against him and Goebbels. No, there. no, no. <laughs> we. This I is drew somebody. I went with a girl I was dating, 
uh, and uh, some of us went up there and we ha- and we did this luncheon <sighs> thing with him. And he kept saying, "You kitties!" And it was so funny because he was with his partner, and then he showed us the art collection. And we hung out. It was great. I, I, 90, 1990. I had been to the glass house. I, I don't think I could have contained myself. Yeah, because that was through. I would just run around that was and just through, smack my face um, against every window in that house. Girl, oh, that was um, Mamie, who was working at the MoMA. Mamie at the MoMA? And he built the MoMA. He designed the MoMA. Museum of Modern Art. Yeah. And so that's the connection. Yeah. Mamie at the MoMA. No, she works for Oprah now. Maybe works for Oprah, not at the moment. Yeah, pretty cool. Totally, and this is relatable to Rushmore because Rushmore is all about credentials mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Well, it's yeah, it's about it's about um, those clubs, yeah, man. It's about bullshitting. <laughs> it is about bullshitting. It's about bullshitting. <laughs> so this this kid who's brilliantly played by Jason Schwartzman. Jason Schwartzman. Uh, and and who is a kid in this movie? Yeah, yeah. he is a kid in this movie. Yeah. Uh, he does an amazing job of being someone who basically says, "I'm going to embrace this prep school 100 percent and right. take all the advantages that this prep school has to offer." Yep, that the people at the prep school are not taking advantage of, and I'm going to change it. Uh, and the only thing I'm not going to care about is my grades. <laughs> It's so good. And he is going to get kicked out because basically he is creating a small revolution inside this school. Well, tell us about Max. Max What what is Max's life? Max is poor. Max is poor. Right. Max does not let that on because wisely Mm -hmm. in that school system, you don't say, I come from a poor family. Right. You – your credentials are important. So you say, I come from someone who may have died or whatever. You, you right. make up a story. Right. And he is a very uh, – like I would say that Max is like, – Eloquent. The, yeah. He, like, Mature. Well, yeah. He has – he wants to – he wants to come across as an adult, as a creative, um, uh, uh, professional um, artist and yes. adult, right? Yes. And – he sixty percent pulls it off, like in a he way does. that in a way that you just so go for somebody who's like fifteen. The way that he got <laughs> okay, so here's an, actually another important part of this film, which is related to me as mm-hmm. well. The way that he got into this school was not based on his grades; was based on a play that he wrote. Yes, yeah, a little three act about the or a little oh, is it a little one act about the uh, the Nixon administration? <laughs> Watergate. Watergate. So he wrote a play about Watergate as a very young kid. Right. Which got like, what the fuck? Which if if you're a school of that size, you're Mm -hmm. right to look like that is unusual. You don't just basically look at statistics. You find – you try to find the gold amongst the rubble, right? Right. And and Max proved to be that gold, right? And so Max was a playwright. Right. And the and the dean of Rushmore played awesomely by Brian Cox. Brian Cox mm-hmm. is uh, yeah. is uh, like he was really enamored of Max and the and Max's passion. Yes, because like I think that everybody the th- the thing is that so he championed him yes. and was accountable to him, mm-hmm. which is an important part of the plot as well. Yeah, because if Max fucks up, which he does often, he's out. He's out. Yeah, 
So anyway, that's an important part of it. And that, that's the, the, the sort of like the great, the great message in the movie is like Max is, Max is a really passionate person mm-hmm. and he really cares about art and he really wants to like, he's, he wants to be older than he is. Right. Right. And, uh, you know, he's, he comes from, you know, poor family. His dad is a widower. Uh, you know, like there's this sad, sweet, sad connection to his mom who his, died. His physical, his, I mean, his, his actual dad is a widower and a barber and a barber, you know, just a regular, regular Joe, regular you know? Joe. and, uh, and the, the movie doesn't actually make any class judgments at all. Like, uh, it does. You know, like it, it's oh, like, it does. It, well, I mean, meaning it, like it says like, there's, you're not a good or bad person from being rich or poor. Like there are good people who are rich and poor. Like there are good people that are rich in this movie, and like Bill Murray, right? Uh-huh. And there, there are, uh, and there are bad people who are rich in this movie, like Bill Murray's kids. You know, like the like douchebags are douchebags. Doesn't like that's how it works. But Max's dad is dirt, dirt poor. They live in a crappy little house, uh, and uh, and he's an incredible sweetheart. And then like because he didn't like he's not a passionate guy driven by something or other. He's just a barber. You know. But there is definitely classism. Oh, yo, it's all about it's about class for it's sure. The whole yeah, thing the movie is about definitely class. about class. Yeah, uh, and uh, and about the perception of value in in uh, in society where the where you're at. Yeah. But like, but Max is able to get anybody excited about whatever he's excited about. Mm-hmm. Like this is his superpower. Like his superpower. Well, also just to like. Wrangle the troops. Yeah, just get get everyone rocking. You know, like yeah. get everyone behind this idea because secretly everyone wants to be in on something together. Yep. You know, and like that is the de- that is his real greatness is uh, is not that he's really a visionary artist, but rather he's a visionary friend uh, to everyone. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, and like I love that he just likes getting people together. He just likes getting people he's together. The organizer. He cre- he's he's creating, the mother hen because he didn't creating, have a mother. Yeah, exactly. He's creating a family around himself because he doesn't have one. Because he doesn't have one. Right. He's so good. Yeah, and it's amazing. And like for my own my own my own background, I'm like I grew up a poor kid in a very, very rich town on Cape Cod. Right. Right. And so that's my, like, I was just like, fuck, I knew, I know exactly what this is like. Like I was the, you know, I was the president of the drama club when I was in high school and I was like, dude, I was like, it was Max all over the place. Mm -hmm. And like, I definitely relate to Max's, um, you know, like uh, both uh, like, like this sort of uh, intense, like, sort of sloppy arrogance and massive self-doubt and you know like this like you're trying to like establish yourself and have people take you seriously when internally like you don't know if you can pull this shit off at all (laughs) you know and the the way that he sort of wobbles around in the movie it's just like it's insanely endearing and really beautiful even when he's a fucking jerk and he's a jerk to a lot of people in the movie but he can he manages okay so the whole point of this thing is that this this kid mm-hmm. who's in this prep school loves this prep school, mm-hmm. takes it very seriously. Somehow manages to convince everyone, everyone to do what he wants to do. No and what. I'm talking like everyone, right. including the dean of the school, mm-hmm. uh, all of his friends, yep, uh, even the people that hate him, yep. Um, Fathers of his friends <laughs> yep. to spend millions of dollars so on good. useless causes. It's so like good. everyone is convinced to do something. Yep. Like is like someone, you know, coming from my point of view, like 
oh my God, imagine if I had that power to do that. But at the same time, everyone hates him. Yeah, because like, I mean, there's there's plenty to be annoyed by Max. Yeah, because he's annoying. He's an annoying little prick sometimes. Yeah, you know, and he's a kid. You forget that he's a little kid. Yeah, you know, but he he. He he delivers a convincing argument every time. Absolutely. And so Max uh, starts out at Rushmore, gets kicked out of Rushmore, and ends up attending public school right. where he hmm. does it again and gets the, gets everyone back in the fucking bandwagon to put on more plays. And thrives. And thrives. Now, the whole thing also happens about his, his – uh, uh, he's got a, a puberty session where he falls in love with a teacher. Miss Cross. Miss Cross. The most – yes. Like – the best represented uh, like high school crush on a teacher I've ever seen. Yeah, in that movie unbelievable. She's gorgeous. She's yeah, she's super cute. She's gorgeous yeah. and she's like attentive yeah. and a, represents a teacher. Right, and you can tell like there's a little bit of like there's an it's not quite edible, but it's just like you know his mom yeah. is not in his life, and so he is drawn towards and she this lost very, her husband. She lost her husband, so there's this <clears throat> weird crossing of emotions that happens and like yeah. obviously nothing happens in the movie but you can tell that like if they were no well it's close you know, it's close yeah. it's, it's like close i mean in the, to the point where she makes him feel really shitty because she realizes like what the fuck do you think is going to happen yeah oh this is one of the best moments in the movie and like and, it's and, so and, fucking harsh it's, it's amazing it, it, she's amazing yeah like i you know like oh this movie is so just like with bottle rocket bottle rocket has this this incredible lightness to it like all through the entire movie friendly friendly light jokey funny until uh anthony tells dignan that he gave and has all the money and then uh, Dignan gets so mad he punches Anthony in the face with a screwdriver and it's so sharp and like harsh of a moment mm-hmm. that it's out of place in the movie and it freaks yeah. you out right and yeah. the same and the same thing happens in Rushmore where like when uh Max is really fucked up Miss Cross's life like yeah. and he didn't mean to but he's he but got her fired he gets gets her fired right and and she just says like what do you think was like? What do you think was gonna fucking happen here? And she like she swears at him like, "What are you? Are you gonna finger me?" And they're like, "Maybe you're like give you a hand job." And you're like, and like it's and you so, make you like, realize like yeah, it feels so frighteningly awkward and because like, she's so sweet and innocent yeah. looking. Oh like, man, yeah. it's like such a line crossing moment that you're uh, that it's terrifying. Makes you realize like yeah, this you you've been dealing with a fantasy in your fucking head yeah it's and it's I'm so not bracing that person yeah and it's it's brilliantly done and like he tries to like go in and kiss her and she just fucking puts him on the floor yeah because she's, <laughs> like she's a he's grown a kid. up exactly he's a little kid where is she, that moment where is that moment it where he strikes dignan in bottle rocket uh-huh, right in rushmore you have that where is it in um the um, Grand, Grand, Grand Budapest. Budapest. I don't know. I'd be hard pressed to f- figure it out. Like there's, yep. there's good Grand moments. Grand Budapest in is not the same movie. Yeah, it's no, it, but the characters. Yeah, like there's there's great stuff in that movie, but it doesn't. This is what I'm saying. It's like these the, these first two movies, like uh, Rushmore and Bottle Rocket. Like they have the characters are so richly defined, and you feel them so well that when the pinch comes, like it hurts. Sorry. And in Grand Budapest. There's a few things that are sharp or shocking or whatever it is, but because I'm not so invested, I just don't feel the pinch. It's just yeah. sort of all clever and interesting. And like that's the like Rushmore, like Rushmore is a guaranteed 
weepy movie for me. Like the ending with, you know, when like, go, like, it's after the movie, after the the play, and they're got the dance, and it goes into slow motion, and you get that big, a uh, wide shot of the entire cast and him dancing with Miss Cross, and you have uh, the music's like, uh, "I wish I knew what uh, I wish that I knew what I know no, no. now." When, when I was, I was all small faces, right? Oh, it's so fucking okay. good, and it breaks my heart every so, time. So I'm so. Full disclosure, mm-hmm. I am very biased pro Rush. I, I watched yeah. that movie Rushmore and I could flawless. not stop crying. Oh, that's great. But there's a lot of of history in this. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, no movie can surpass that because it's very personal, right? So uh, I came from the Northeast. This felt like a Northeast prep school situation, totally. Totally. which I was dealing with with Hackley, as I was mentioning with Eric earlier. You right. went to Hackley? What with Goebbels? Uh, <laughs> not with Goebbels, uh, uh, gerbils. gerbils. Uh, and then, and then, obviously, went to 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 Houston, and I left. You know, went to Rice University in Houston, which is also in that sort of River Oaks right. area, etc. Um, but um, so uh, when she lived in a house which was owned by. Uh, her dead husband. Yep, right. Uh, that's Edward a, Appleby. Edward Appleby. That's yep. on a street called South Street in Houston, uh, which is where I met my wife. Oh man, no way! That yeah. is connected. And that's that's insane. So I, it, it might as well the street, the house that she, that they went to to, to for him to visit her. M- Probably was at least like probably next door or if not that house that I met my wife. Right, right. We That's both insane. we both ended up at this party that we didn't know anyone, and we were like, "Do you know anyone here?" No, I don't know anyone here. And then we chatted with each other, and that's how we met. Right, right. and that was um, we're about to. Uh, we've been married uh, 20 years. <laughs> so when you saw Rushmore, <laughs> when's you, your were you were like, I can't believe that this is happening. March. I'm like, like ours was yesterday. No. Sorry. 19, really? yeah. 19 but we've been together 24. Microphone. That's terrible. Okay. But didn't know when you're watching the movie for the first time where you're like, oh shit, that's the place. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's Do you crazy. miss Houston? Uh, there's a lot about Houston that I really like. Yeah. Houston is underrated as a, as a, as a, as a, as a, as a place because I think Houston has a lot more depth of character. Mm-hmm. Like LA is very high and mighty, and so is New York, <laughs> right? And but very shallow, right? Really, right. really shallow. Yeah. Houston, I mean, yeah, there's there's greatness in in both these cities, but yes, yeah, like, I get what you're very saying. Very yeah. shallow, like we define ourselves, and this is my point of view. So there's no depth to anyone's character, right? right. Mile it, wide, inch deep. <laughs> yeah, and, and Houston actually has a lot of depth to it. Oh uh, yeah. Really interesting. Rich history. I really uh, – I loved living in Texas, honestly speaking. I think Texas is uh, a very fascinating place uh, and a lot of depth to it uh, from all points of view. Uh, for example, I don't think many people know that Houston has one of the largest uh, uh, gay communities in the United States. Is it just in Austin? No, in Houston. Oh, Houston. Okay. Sorry. I'm sorry to you. 
Yeah. Yeah. Because like, because like, you the, see, that's the point yeah. I just made is you don't realize. Because I have, a, I, have a, I have the, the yeah, character I have you, in, in, you, you in Austin. You just think is, of that blue dot in the right, middle exactly. of Texas right, of Austin. Right, right. You don't realize. Yeah, I didn't it, mean that as a joke. I meant that as like, that's, yes, that's my actual, that's, that's my point, perception. Is right, that right. Houston actually has, and on top of that, Austin has become so expensive because right. of the tech industry that a lot of the uh, music industry that would, originated from Austin has actually moved back to Houston. Oh, interesting. Really? So, yeah. Uh, so Houston actually, and, and by the way, Houston is about to surpass Chicago as the largest, one of the largest cities. So it's right. actually going to be number three in terms of population. Uh, it's an interesting city. Uh, it's hot as fuck. It's humid. Yeah. That's very what kills humid. me right there. That's the, yeah. that's the tough part for me. So, uh, but, um, but it's got amazing culture. Is that a, the museums are incredible? The yeah. art system. Uh, uh, is the Kimball food. there? No. Where's the Kimball? The Kimball is in Fort Worth. Yes. It's in Dallas. I've I've never been to well, Texas. The, the Manila Museum. Listen, you go to the museum district, right? Mm. You go to the museum district in Houston. You got a a museum designed by uh, 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 Mies van der Rohe. <laughs> Mm-hmm. It's one of the only – like besides Chicago, it's the only other city you get a Mies van der Rohe mm-hmm. uh, building, right? And then right next to it, you got, um, uh, you've got uh, Renzo Piano who's designed an incredible building over there. It was the first building he ever designed in the United States by Renzo Piano. It was mm-hmm. the Middle Museum. So there's like incredible architecture there. Right. It's, and it's, it's beautiful. There's a lot of beauty. I would love, yeah, I would love to see this. Because so, I, I don't know, like I know lots of random things about Texas from yeah. brand media. but like It's I, soft. Yeah. I'll tell you this. Yeah. The ground is soft <laughs> because it's it, because of the swampiness of that city. Oh, right? yeah. Right. So every Everything the the entire if you drive on the streets every all all of the streets are kind of wobbly They're kind of rumpled yeah because of the 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 stuff going on there but I loved it um, I loved fishing there I used to go fishing all the time because would you uh, move back there someday uh, uh, with the right opportunity yeah really interesting yeah. You're not one of those guys who's been there and you never want to return and you've done it and that's that no I, I I'll go back to Houston yeah Houston's actually kind of got a lot of cool stuff going on you like texas yeah texas is actually texas is um yeah i'll go back to texas could you go back to massachusetts uh big d i i uh i really love cape cod cape cod's great and um, I, I don't know. That's that's definitely a later in I don't life know kind if of flavor. I go back to Connecticut. I mean, right. I'll go to. No. Yeah, no, I'm I, like, uh, yeah, like Cape, Cape Cod and then because I grew up in um, on the elbow of the Cape there, and and it's just like it is a it is a really sweet, quiet, wonderful area. But it is really the woods. Last time I was there, I hadn't been there in a while, and I was like, wow, it's just like I get so used to the Los Angeles. You know, environment, and then you uh, you get out there, and you're like, "This is." I mean, like when it's night, like at night, it's pitch black. Where Where did you live in Yarmouth? Where? <laughs> no, in uh, Chatham. 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 Yeah, and which is you know, it's the it's an incredibly rich town. Um, you know, half the population doesn't live there full. Well, they just have yeah. really nice houses, and that's it. You know, Johnson Johnson's uh, the Johnson family lives you know, owns half the place, and Philip Johnson. Yep, and uh, Philip uh, Johnson is from the Johnson Johnson family. Johnson Johnson, yeah, and uh, you know, and it's and it's a it's a beautiful like it's a little sort of fishing village that turned into a resort community essentially. Yeah, mm-hmm. and um, you know, and when I was growing up there, my uh, my dad was 
very old when I was born. He was, you know, in his mid sixties or whatever when I was born. And, uh, and so he had bought, he'd gotten land like right on the shore, um, uh, when Cape Cod was nothing. Right. Mm -hmm. And, uh, as you know, uh, as time went by, like all these mansions were just being built left and right all around our house. And our house is just this crappy little house in the middle of, you know, little patch of woods. Um, and so we lived in this really, you know, we're just, we're not a, not a rich family. We're growing up in this incredibly rich environment. Um, and, uh, and the, dis the, uh, the disconnect between the classes was so radical that when I saw that, like the, what's represented in Rushmore, I was like, Whoa, that's, this is like a, my school experience is wow. literally represented as possible. Yeah. Really, really crazy, and uh, and I think that like the even if you like yeah, if you have no uh, sort of direct connection to the movie, he gets that that his own history, which is clearly Wes Anderson's actual history, uh, so clearly across that it's incredibly emotionally involving. Like he's talking about him trying to manage these emotions within himself. Like he has yeah. these big sort of literary aspirations. But he comes from, you know, he came from a poor family. I'm not, I, I don't know specifically, but like certainly he knows a lot about that lifestyle. Yeah, you know, and like, uh, and the just the like the the little crappy details of living poor, you know, and like they're all really represented, like just as like just the the kind of shitty little house that he lives in and stuff like this. So it's just like, but you know, it's he really goes, brilliant. He goes beyond that. He actually starts to cut hair. He actually he just, actually become yeah yeah exactly. He becomes a barber. Yeah. And, and that's kind like of, his father, right? Yeah, and his and his dad's like, you know, listen, you know, like I'm, I'm happy being a barber, but I know that you would not be happy being a barber. That's not your zone. Yeah, right. you have these, you have big dreams. But what you was amazing that. about that thing is that basically, like, he did become a barber, right? And he didn't, he didn't, he didn't throw it away. Exactly. He didn't say like, I'll never be a barber. He's right. like, well. I'll, I can always be a barber. Right, right. And that's a kind of a beautiful way to put it. Like, right. I can always be a barber. Yeah. And uh, this movie is so perfect. Well, like, yeah. I can always be a barber is the attitude he takes where he's like, well, you know what? Fuck it. Rushmore didn't work. High school didn't work. I'll be a barber. Right. And then his friend from Rushmore comes by for a haircut. This, and this is the, the true brilliance of this movie. Oh, it's lies. so good. It's like Bill Murray and him – uh, and Max, uh, there are such a perfectly, they're, they're a visionary friendship. Right. That's right. right? And the, and because the movie, oh, are you? And he's the only oh, one that laughs. Fucking best. <laughs> okay. Um, for people that haven't seen it, we were referring to the scene where, uh, um, I wrote a hit play. Uh, Max is invited, uh, Miss Cross, uh, to dinner after the show that they put on, which is a ripoff of Serpico. And, uh, Bill Murray is there and Miss Cross's, boyfriend is there a possible boyfriend played by uh the guy who played anthony luke uh, wilson luke wilson in bottle rocket and uh and max uh, gets um bill murray to buy him some booze and so max is totally hammered at the table and he's really pissed off that uh that uh miss cross's boyfriend is there yeah and he's and like four, he's wearing scrubs 15, yeah. and like yeah it's just like he's just being a total like, fucking asshole so are you a nurse yeah so what do you, what do you get what do you do guy are you a nurse these are surgical scrubs oh are they that's <laughs> the best it's, hey, yeah, bill murray's the only one that laughs oh, these are or scrubs oh are they and then bill murray laughs he's like 
<laughs> and my favorite line is when uh is when he goes, uh, yeah, no, I'm a uh, ER I'm an ER doctor. And Max just leans back and he's totally slosh and he goes, Yeah, well I just wrote a hit play, so I'm not sweating it either. That's <laughs> sort of the best part. Uh, it's so good. But so the, the So funny. The the movie is a between him and Bill Murray, it almost feels like there's this weird and this isn't actually happening, but it feels like there's this weird time traveling thing that's happening because Bill Murray is as if it is old Max who's lived a depressing life. Like right. Max is seeing a vision of his life going wrong, but via Bill Murray, like Bill Murray is in a dead end marriage with kids he hates and all the life has gone out of, out of, out of his life. And Bill Murray in reverse is seeing this young vision of himself as a uh, inspired little kid and is being reminded of that inspiration. And so he becomes more like Max and Max becomes more like him. And where they meet in the middle in that barber chair scene, you know, and you just go, it's the moment when, when he, Max is crossing over into adulthood and Bill Murray is sort of embracing his, He's befriending his inner child again, and it's just un- – it's such a beautiful um, moment in movie history. I just can't – I've never seen anything like it where you're just like – I love this movie. It's it's unreal. It's unreal. I've never – like I've never felt so moved by something so simple. And I know – okay. So there's a lot about this movie that is relatable to me, right? Mm-hmm. Like – from the prep school outcast to the uh, the weird kid that does strange things that no one understands, yep. which guilty, uh, and uh, to to Houston to uh, 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 the hotel, oh, the yeah. hotel they're <laughs> at is Hotel Zaza, which is right there on Fannin. Oh, like God. it's like it, that was like two blocks from my house. <laughs> like Bill- I, I've actually, but I've actually stayed at that hotel. When Bill Murray, this is where Bill Murray stays in the movie uh, because and, and his wife, wife has kicked him out and uh, for cheating on her for Miss Cross and, uh, and fucking bees. And the look on Bill Murray's face when he realizes that Max did, did this to him and you can see that he's pissed, but he's proud. He's <laughs> like, oh, that fucker. <laughs> it's so good. He laughs, yeah. But uh, by the way, that very moment, it's from Live at Leeds by The Who. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, it's incredible. It's unfucking real, dude. So that damn movie good. Is just yeah, incredible. it's all about the music. Yeah, and like, and like, you see, like, like, they, because they they are really cruel to each other. Like, you know, but like, he cuts the brake line in Bill Murray's car. You yeah, know, and shit like and this, where he stabs like, his tires from his wheels so on his incredible. bicycle. Like, and uh, like, these are like, this is all like. Again, it's like the bottle rocket little kid expression of, of anger, uh-huh. you know? Um, but like, uh, the, but the growing up in this movie is even more total than the growing up in bottle rocket. Like, you really feel like you've lived a life. Let's by talk the end about of this movie. Bill Murray for a second. Sure, hit it. This is his big change, right? This movie this, is his this big change. This was the thing where you're like, oh, let's see Bill Murray do something different. He was headed towards being Chevy Chase before this. Yes. You know? Right, you know, and like Chevy Chase never figured it out. And, would and you say the movie he did prior to this was The Man Who Knew Too Little? Knew Too Little, I would say that. <laughs> or something uh, well, like that. Hold on, hold on. He did uh, uh, Groundhog Day. Groundhog Day. It was after Man Who Knew Too Little. Right? Yeah, it's true. No, like, but but I'm saying he did Groundhog Day, which is genius. What about Bob? Mm-hmm. But then in the late '90s, he was doing like 
the man who knew too little. Yeah, like, that was the, that was oh, the man who knew too little was after Groundhog Day. Well, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I believe so. Really? But like, the, check it out. I think it's ninety-seven. Groundhog Day's genius is wasn't wasn't readily apparent when we saw it. It was it was like a really good Bill Murray movie, but it still fit in the Bill Murray canon of the time. Okay, right? Phil. Yeah, exactly. It's super Phil funny. Ryerson? It's really and obviously on Phil? a million repeat viewings. It's genius. But it oh, did, by the it way, didn't go seem... back to our episode about Groundhog Day. Absolutely, it's a good one. And like, but, but it didn't seem like Groundhog Day didn't seem out of character. It seemed like it fit part. It was part and parcel to things like Man Knew Too Little, and it was all part of the same. Like goofy Bill Murray does Bill Murray stuff, but in Rushmore, it's like. Bill Murray is now an actor for yeah. real. Like, you know, the, the turn that he, he in, intended to make right. with uh, the razor's edge, he has now finally made that turn. Right. And now, now Bill Murray, this is where he, Bill Murray becomes a cult icon yeah. uh, in every aspect of his life. And it happens via Wes Anderson. I think he knows this too. Like that's where you'll show up in any Wes Anderson movie. There is. He's just mm. like, you changed my fucking life. Like he, I think that, that Murray is a, is a brand new person specifically because of this movie. And it's interesting because the movie is about, uh, you know, uh, his character making that change, but that change literally happened to him because of this movie. Like it is that inspiring to him because after this is like broken flowers and fucking, broken flowers yeah. is amazing. Yeah. Just off to the races. With Lost, in translation. Lost in translation. Lost in translation. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, you know, but that's the, that's the genius of this picture is like it's so it's infectious not only to the people that watch it but clearly to the people who made it and that Wes Anderson is Max and he got everybody on board to make his fucking silly movie you know and he made a movie about that fact you know and he's fucking all the plays that Max puts on it's like there's um, Heaven and Hell is Apocalypse Now the yeah. the Serpico he puts on yeah. and even the Watergate one you're ob- it's obviously fucking all the president's men right that's funny you know like he loves all the sh- all the same 70s movies that we do right you know this is the root of where Anderson comes from and like all of that love is wrapped up uh, in a like in a literal love story with Miss Cross and 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 in, in the production itself as the production is trying to be bigger and more artful than it has the reach to be just like max it's a fucking incredible movie it's it it is my perfect movie honestly speaking and i know that there's a lot personally that's going on which is what a movie should do mm-hmm. a movie should find a way to relate to you in a certain way i know like if you are you know uh, some guy who grew up in milan mm-hmm. Rushmore is not going to be a movie that's going to be relatable to you. <laughs> not directly, that's true. Right. Right. So, so, so I can understand that uh, that doesn't work for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but being someone that 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 grew up in Greece and then became kind of a weird outcast sure. inside of, inside of my own country, technically speaking, nationality wise, right. like Rushmore was something that was relatable to me. Because not only is it that good, but it directly plugs into your actual experience. Yes, yeah. exactly. Right. And so there is something about character development that when it deals with that level of complexity that's important, mm-hmm. that is a, a good thing. And it, yeah, and, and I love that. Like One of my favorite and things- And Eric and I come from, from like the- This is something that, you know, obviously why I've become very close with Eric over the years is like- we 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 were kind of weird outcasts within that society right. in the northeast where people were expected to be 
lawyers or stockbrokers or right. doctors, right? right? Like all, all this, yeah. Money, money over everything. Kind right. Of, like like the, the point of higher education it was to make a shitload of money. Right. Not that being a lawyer thing. or a doctor is bad, but the idea of – That was it. That right? was the way to be rich but, is the way – But, the, well, but, the but people that. like Eric and I, we right. were like uh, – I got weird ideas about what I want to do in my life right. creatively speaking right. and, and that became something that – But you were on your way to being an architect, right? That was the that was the that was, was the initial idea. Architects actually don't make that much money, right. so even as such, it was actually a weird idea. Mm. But I broke away from that and did even something beyond that. Yeah. Right. And um, you know, for for my side of the family, mm. uh, uh, my mother, who still lives in Connecticut, her whole goal is to go to a cocktail party as she does every night or whatever sure. she does, right? As they do in that area, and then. I my son is an architect is what she delivered for every every day. <laughs> That's an impressive thing to say. And to the point where two years ago I had to tell her friends, uh, I haven't been an architect for twenty years. <laughs> and they're like, "But your mother says you're an architect." And I'm like, "That's because she doesn't understand what I do. So that's all she says." Right. And right. literally, this is what because. My son's an architect. My son's a lawyer. My son's an accountant. My son's a stockbroker. Right. These are things that – or daughter. Right. These are – my son went to Yale. My son went to Princeton. My son went to Harvard. These are these are credentials that are important mm. to that crowd right. in that cocktail hour right. that um, – that's, that's it. That's right. it. That's what – it is actually extraordinarily simple, the – the society level of that 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 what's going on. Well, the thing is, I mean, like all. It's like, like my son does things on a computer. Yeah, it's hard to it's hard to explain. It's like doesn't, doesn't matter sound, yeah, exactly. Like my son's happy with his family yeah. and has two kids. Right, right. That is not a story that is worth delivering in a Connecticut cocktail room. Which is sad <laughs> because, like, the the thing is, I mean, like, that should be an extremely satisfying story to be able to tell. But people. it's not. Right. And like, the, the, and my so, like, son went to Brown. Right. And is a stockbroker at Bear Stearns. That's a story. That's a checkbox. That's a check. That's that's, that's three checkboxes. That's three checkboxes. Yeah. yeah. And like the thing is, Eric I mean, like, is Eric is looking at me, and I can tell by his smile that you're you, you get it right. Am I am I am I delivering the goods on this? Yeah, you're delivering the goods on this um, <laughs> because you're in the same boat, Give right? Me goods. I, I hear you. <clears throat> I think my response is different today because I actually had therapy this morning, so uh, <laughs> but now it's my therapy. pipes are clean. Yep. Um, you know, it's interesting. At least you get my son's an architect because I remember once having a conversation. Uh, I don't want to say who it wasn't my father, but it was the other one. Uh, yeah. uh, the uh, other, the other parent, the other parent, and. Um, <laughs> I got a phone call and it was like, I saw so-and-so, we were at a party in New York, blah, 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 explanation of the party, where it was, beautiful view. And I talked to so-and-so and they'll be in LA, but look, I explained to them that you're an artist and you have no means, so it's fine. I was like, oh, right. so you're not of means, you have no money and you're an artist and you struggle. Anyway, so he might call you. I was like, I don't think I would call myself if you pitched me that. So <clears throat> he lives in a tent. Wow. Seriously? Yeah, it was funny. It's like, it's okay. Why don't you call him? No, no, there's, there's, let's not go down that road, but thank you. Oh, my God. 
<laughs> yes. Yeah. It's about the credentials. Yeah. So, you know, my I mean, there, this is this is okay. America is a very young country. So there is no such thing as blue blood here. But right. that is as close as it comes to, it's specifically in the Northeast, because it's all about the Ivy League schools there. Of course, yeah. I mean, it's and, all and, about and then, like, like these things are. Uh, oh, you didn't get into Harvard? Yeah. You didn't get into Yale? No, all these things are great. And yeah. they're all very meaningful. If they're meaningful to you, that's great. Yes. But if they're if they're meaningful to you because uh, oh. you're trying to get a leg up on somebody, then that's not really. It worth was the time. one of the most liberating things for me to come to Los Angeles, at, specifically. Go, I, you know, went to uh, uh, Digital Domain and they're mm-hmm. like, there are people there that went to MIT yeah. and have degrees, uh, uh, PhDs in aerodynamics, pretty much rocket scientists, yeah. right? right? As well as people who never went to – who graduated high school and that's about it. Yeah. Yeah. And we're just – as we all have res- mutual respect for each yeah. other and it doesn't even matter. Right. But whatever you're into, like just whatever, because I mean, like this, like you know, I was lucky enough to get a gig at um, when I was back in Boston, like uh, working at a um, a young video game company that that it, the company itself bombed, but everyone from the company did extremely well. Like they were a bunch of just like super MIT nerds who just loved what they did, you yeah. know, and uh, and uh, like they hired me when I hadn't gone to college like i didn't have anything you know like i, I was just like i don't know i'd draw stuff i didn't know how to use i didn't even know how to use photoshop and they hired me as uh like a fill-in art director <laughs> you know? right. like, it's, like that's the big like it's because we connected you know and it right. was like these are just good people and everyone's work, well like everyone's cool and everyone wants to work together you know and also uh, as far as rushmore goes like i feel connected to the like the thing that affected me most this last time was that um uh my mom what uh, was an incredibly powerful uh, force in my life, an incredibly positive, good force in my life. Uh, she was a uh, super weird, incredibly smart, book reading, art freak, crazy woman. And uh, um, and so she, uh, she was very much what they hint at Max's mom being like. Wow. And, uh, and what, uh, you know, my mom... Uh, you bear, there's very little mention of Max's mom in this. It's it's very very brief, but she's the one who gives him the typewriter to write the plays. Yes, and so you can you can tell what she was like and what she thought about sure. Ma- Max's talent and like the relationship that he had with her, uh, and uh, and when he spends time by her grave and all this stuff. Like, it's not like, that's not a fraught relationship. Like that represents oh, mutual respect. This, this represents like, she would have wanted Max to go yeah. out and do whatever the fuck he wanted to do and, and be weird and write stuff. Yes. You know? And so like to see that, like it's, you know, it's very, it's a very minor theme in that movie, but it's so true feeling um, that it really blew me away this last time. I was like, that is like this dude, like the guy who made this movie uh, clearly uh, has someone who cared for him, who, uh, in who really believed in him, and that's why that's what he's connecting with here. Well, okay, um, and in a, in a sense, because of that, Max is actually blessed, mm-hmm. as opposed to my situation mm-hmm. where, like, uh, I am being judged by my own parents in certain situations absolutely right based on my credentials which is not really the case but i'm but yeah it's it's still let's let's put that in a persona so max's mom and dad Mm -hmm. completely 
let him be who he wants to be. Right. And Max, this thrusts him into a situation where he is suddenly at Rushmore. Yeah, exactly. And he's like, oh my God, this is amazing. Right. Surrounded by everyone at Rushmore is an asshole. Yeah, exactly. They're all these rich little pricks. You rich know? little pricks. And it's one of the best things when, when Bill Murray gives the speech in the beginning and he's just like – uh, like I'm not talking to the rich kids. I'm talking to the you know who I'm who I'm talking to. Talking about you know, and just like get the get those rich kids in the crosshairs and take them down. Like that's the and and, and oh. you see Max write best speech ever question mark <laughs> to take that. Okay, let's let's do that that the 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 uh, the, the pullback on that because mm-hmm. what does he do? He gets up in a fucking window mm-hmm. and he fires. A BB gun at the kid. At Magnus. At Magnus. <laughs> in the crosshairs. Yep. Get him the crosshairs. Get him the crosshairs. Exactly. It's like, fucking Max, I'm going to rip you alive. And it's like, yeah. how would you want to be in my play? It's like, that line. I always wanted to be in one of your fucking it's, it's plays. Like, I know you did. <laughs> I know you did, and, mate. <laughs> I know you did, mate. That line, it just like, and he's 100% right. Oh, it's so Both beautiful. of those kids are 100% right. Yep. Like, I hate you. I'm going to fucking shoot you with a BB gun. Yep. But you're perfect for my fucking play. Exactly. Because we both because, really want to do this Because we together. both really want to do this. And, <laughs> and that is – like, that is the way that – Republicans and Democrats actually need to get together. Yeah, no kidding, man. You know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. Like that is a scene funny. where That's Republicans funny. and Democrats like yeah. it's like fuck you, man. I hate you. It's like, <laughs> but I've always wanted to do this. It's like, yeah, I know you do. Let's fucking do it. Yeah. Oh, it's so good it's because so good. you see the play. Yeah, and he's perfect. Yeah, it's fucking great. It's absolutely. Great. And you know, this kid is acting in that play and going like. I was born to fucking do this. This is my fucking dream come true. Yeah, because he's a fucking brute. (laughs) Exactly. He's a brute and he can be himself 100%. It's genius. It's it's such a beautiful moment. The beauty of like – the beauty of uh, the way uh, they represent Max himself and the plays that he puts on is they don't make Max smarter than he is for the age. They don't make his plays better than they could be. They're just – Filled with enthusiasm. That's right. You yeah. know, like and a lot of special effects. Yeah, it's clearly a play written by a fifteen-year-old. <laughs> you know, like yeah. Max but, is not a super it genius. Is, it is, no, it, it is a play written by a fifteen-year-old who absolutely loves movies. Absolutely, dude. And it's and it's so fucking infectious. And when right. you see like a, a, from Bottle Rocket, you see Kumar in the audience, and he's just laughing his ass off. He's like, yeah. It's the best. Oh my god! Like that's that that is the joy of that movie is that uh, it says to everybody like all the all the rich kids you know all the fucking arrogant jerks and all this stuff they all end up on Max's side. Everybody ends up on Max's side. Everyone ends up on each other's side in that right. movie, you know. And it's a and it's a warm and inviting experience because everyone wants to fucking have fun together. And then Max is the conduit for all of that. And it's, it's, it's so, uh, it's so joyous at the end. And so like, like you see like him dancing with Miss Cross and Miss Cross like takes his glasses off and you're like, you know, 15 years, this is not going to be a weird relationship. This is a possible relationship. You know, it's going to take some time, (laughs) but it might work out, you Mm -hmm. know, and it's a, it's a weird thing to put in a movie, 
but you've earned it because you know these characters. Like you can see, like she sees that he has grown. There's a moment that he has grown up into, you know, and she's like, you are the person that I would have wanted. wanted, wanted so here's the thing. Isn't that how Macron met his wife? Who? What? President Macron, Macron from Paris. Oh yeah. 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 Uh, that's his wife is as the teacher. She was a teacher. I think she, I think she's 20 years older than him. Oh, well, yeah, my, um, I'm the product of, uh, uh, a 65 year old man and a 30 year old woman. So, yeah, well, um, I think she was his teacher and they waited. Yep. Yeah. I'm, I'm uh, like, I I think that, uh, there are, that's, that's obviously a problematic relationship all over the place for almost every possible scenario, but one in a million times it ends up with my parents and they're totally awesome. They're totally awesome. And you, Ended up in the world, and I'm grateful for it. I am also grateful for this. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I think that there's such pure love and respect and happiness for, with all those characters in the end of that movie, right? Um, that I like it. It makes it feel like you're like I feel nostalgic about it while I'm watching it. I'm like, oh my god, don't let this slip away. It's so beautiful. It's so amazing. And then I also know that, like, he never really makes a movie this good again. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, he's like, he never ever recaptures that, that moment. Maybe Why he is will. That? Maybe he will. <sighs> it's personal, right? I mean, I this know. is an experience. Like, he grew up in Houston. Like, he went to St. John. I'm sure right. he went to that school, right? right? Yeah. So, so this is like the most personal story you can tell. Yeah. It's the movie. And you that's go the to the Grand Budapest Hotel, that is not personal. Right. This is all a bunch of caricatures. Yeah. And I liked it. I liked Grand Budapest Hotel. Oh, it's super fun. The yeah, it's a very fun movie. Performance is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. It, like it, the it's best a, actors in Hollywood are all want to be on this movie. Yeah, it's a, it's a really it's a great showpiece. It has like it has enough weight to it to define itself. I think it's a it's, it's a good movie. I'm not a fan of uh, like I didn't like Darjeeling Limited. I yeah, didn't, I didn't um, you know, like I, it's all these movies are like eh, it's all right. It's fine. You know. What about all of his uh, stop motion stuff? Love it. I, yeah, I, I haven't I seen this new seen, one. I, I, I haven't love, seen any of them. Isle of oh, Dogs is uh, great. I haven't seen that one. I've seen uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox is very good. Yeah. Um. I and uh, the last movie I loved by him really was, and I'm this is most people don't like this one, but I really, really was touched by Life Aquatic. Yes, I and, loved that film. Uh, I liked it. Yeah, that's it's a very that's a weird mournful movie. I have it. I have. I should see it again. Yeah. I saw it once in theaters. Yeah, it 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 gets me more each time because I think it's sort of like it's almost the opposite of Rushmore, where it's like it's a really, it's a really sad. Movie. Royal Tenenbaums, I loved. That's a that's a very good movie. I think it's it's not as good as Rushmore, but it's it's a very good film. That's a that's a, like I think that's that's just pure Wes Anderson is in love with you know uh, J D Salinger and the New Yorker sure. and this whole that whole style, and he really sort of builds out a beautiful family, and it's a, it's a very good movie, and I like. I actually think. I'll tell you the name after, but I think I know who that family is based on. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. The Rushmore? Yeah. When I first saw it, uh, I saw uh, the Tenenbaums. Yeah. Tenenbaums. Yeah. Tenenbaums, yeah. And when I first saw it, I was like, oh. And I uh, used to work for, if you look at the kids, one of the kids. Mm-hmm. And he uh, was a director. Interesting. And I think I know who was, you're talking about now. Who? We'll we'll talk about it after. And um, his brother is a director, um, and he made – his brother um, made a movie called that. Uh, 
are you playing? Oh, there. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's the brother I worked for? Yep. 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 And, um... Okay. And interesting, when I used to work for Melvin Van Peebles, because I think the mother... Huh. Uh, so was dating or something like that. Mm-hmm. So the point is, it's exactly that. Yeah, it is that. I mean, it is that. like exactly. Right. And the father was a billionaire. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's, it was like t- for me. And then I saw it again with my daughter over the weekend. I was like, Oh my God, that is. Yeah. 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 Like a hundred. He, he certainly like the movie, that movie is definitely built around. And like, you can tell that it's built around something actual. Like it's so dense and so complex. The relationships in between all those characters. The similarities very, very, yeah, right, right. from uh, Danny Glover to who I used to work for mm-hmm. Melvin mm-hmm. and like Angelica Houston yeah. to me younger, but exactly like yeah. the, who was amazing woman and uh, it's strange. Yeah, no, I think like I think that the movie it's a little bit of a jumble of a movie, but it has such such great poignant moments in it. Like you get like yeah, like the the bit with Luke Wilson and committing suicide when he says I'm going to commit suicide tomorrow, and then he commits to like tries to commit suicide right there. Like this is just some awesome. Like I really feel like what's really interesting. I I didn't put those two together, but. There was, after I'll give complete names, but there was a cousin mm-hmm. who took his life. Oh, no kidding. And Premier Magazine did an article on it with, uh, with the whole uh, family. Interesting. That's interesting. And I remember, and it's a very strange thing. Now that you say that, I was like, yeah, there's the other connection. Right, right. No joke. Yeah, because it really does feel – it feels very real. It feels it, – like I think the movie is kind of sloppy, know but it's very, very real. And I know they know each other right. because I told you that story I spent with my wife before Dora was born in, in 2005, mm-hmm. four or five. We were in uh, Barney's in New York and I wasn't buying anything. We were just walking through it on 59th and uh, – this woman said, oh, are you – she started talking to me and about film. She's like, oh, my friend is a filmmaker. And she mm-hmm. called him up and he said, oh, come on over to my place at Dakota. And it was Albert Maisel. Oh, yeah. Maisel. And so yeah, I didn't sp- he just die one of the – Yeah, he yeah, died yeah, like three right. or four years yeah, ago. Right. And then I uh, – Great film. We spent wow, – we spent uh, – and it's where Rosemary's Baby was yeah. shot. Yeah, the famous hotel. Famous yeah. Hotel. yeah. It's it, beautiful. And No, at the Dakota. Dakota, It's yeah. where John Lennon was shot right. as well. And – so we basically spent like three, four hours there right. talking about movies and stuff. That's but he's incredible. like, I got to go to bed because I got back from Rome <clears throat> this morning because I shot a documentary <clears throat> on the life aquatic. Oh, yeah. I'm friends with Wes. Right, right. And he started talking. And then I mentioned that. And those guys. And I said, I know them. <clears throat> I used to do costumes and, and art direction for them. Right, right. And then he was asking me and the stuff and he was like, oh, what a small world. I'm friends with them. Right. So it's like, I know that pot, well, I do that the the director mm-hmm. knows, Wes Anderson knows. Right, right, right. Oh, that's interesting. So, so yeah. when I saw that over the again, and I know that was my first instinct when I saw it, 
in the theaters, and I hadn't seen it since. You're like tangentially related to all of this. <laughs> well, no. Then I saw it. I said, my heart of hearts, I really believe it's that yeah, family. I think, yeah, I think you're probably right. I think you're probably right. I mean, to the, yeah. and I'll tell you how the father made the money. Mm-hmm. Incredible story. And all I know is that some people might pick up who is. I just remember working and doing costumes and sets, and I would be in one of their homes at many, 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 many homes in New York City and outside the city. And the two brothers, when somebody else said, hey, can we talk to you for a second? And so I go into this massive um, dining room, and it was in outside New York City, not close, not far from where I grew up. And the house is so big, it had its own gas station at the entrance. <laughs> no joke. And wow. so, Just to get up the hill? No, it has its own gas station and garage area. So you can fill up right there. Oh, my God. And so it was massive. It's a strange it world. Massive, wish. massive yeah. home. I, I would say 50,000 square, like turn of the century. Gorgeous. Yeah, right. Big piece of property. And um, I remember that, like, we want to ask you a question. I'm like, okay. If you wanted to see a movie. Would you pick up the phone and say, I want to check on Showtimes? And I was like, that's, yeah, okay. He's like, so if you dialed it up and you can get all your Showtimes right there on the phone, would you do it? I was like, that's very convenient. Oh, thanks. Because hmm. they started 777 Film there. Movie phone. They started, no, they started 777 <laughs> Film. That's amazing. That's amazing. That's how yeah. they, right. and so they literally put their money together. They were the smartest guys I've ever known. And they went to Princeton with somebody I grew up with really closely in Connecticut. Mm-hmm. And they were in the same eating club and all that stuff. But it was like. Let's call it dining club, actually. Dining club. It was the eating club. No, my father was at Princeton. Which eating club is he in? Called a dining, dining club. club. No, there was an eating club <laughs> called the Ivy that my friend was president yeah, of. I think my father was at the Ivy. But anyway, it was, yeah. It's called a we dining used to go club. there. Okay. Dining club. Dining club. I, that sounds. Yeah, but eating club there. sounds. It was a dining club. I joined the eating club. The point is. The point is. Dining club. They started that. Um, uh, and the club to dine. They they club, They started that. Um, Tying your shoes club. <laughs> Tying your- so, uh, the the movie film. Ah uh, yeah, I yeah. and then I loved it. that's I think where the money came to me. My dad when he was like at the his Jinx. Hold on one second. club in Princeton, one of Hold his on, let me just quickly finish. partners was Molson, and they brought in cases of Molson. Molson. That's a good friend to have. <laughs> um, but the thing is, <laughs> they, if you like Molson. I think AOL bought it. Right, for like right. 388, yeah, movie, movie fun. 388 yeah. million. Yeah. Oh. So that, Hey, by the way, speaking of documentaries, have you guys started seeing McMillions? Oh, on HBO? No, not yet. Good? Yeah, it looks, it looks pretty funny. Have you guys seen, I've mentioned it many times, have but you, have you guys seen uh, uh, um, uh, Generation Wealth? Yeah, no, you, I liked it. It was really good. Did really you good. see it? Yeah, no, we, I, saw, I saw what we talked about a lot. Last time I thought. Anyway, okay, yeah, you did good. see it. Yeah. I haven't seen it yet, but you, I think you suggested that I see The Outsider. I suggested that. I love The Outsider. I've been watching that. Yeah, it's spooky as hell. That Do you think show. they used any lights when shooting that? Yeah, no, not at all. Holy just moly. Like a, yeah, it's just like the camera's on. I've not on. seen The Outsider. Okay, all right. Yeah. It's all right. really strange and unnerving, and yeah. I still watch it. Yeah. McMillions is show. interesting because yeah. it's a heist thing, but uh, it's true. Right. But it's the when they ripped off the Monopoly game. 
Oh my god, yeah. dude! Oh, that's the story. Yeah, it's on HBO. Yeah. It is so good. Oh, I want to see Mac this. Millions. It is so good, and the characters Mac is in, uh, like yeah, 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 like the Colombo family from New York. I mean, it's like you would not believe. Yeah, because there's the this characters. whole like network of fucking. There's this the uh, like of of trying to figuring out how to rip off. No, it's not figured. They did it. They did, they, and they got away with it. <laughs> well, like, no, the the FBI. I mean, I'm not giving it. It's not a spoiler. The FBI. Somebody tipped them off, and they even say it in the trailer. But they are so busy with other things that they were like, "Well, sure." Somebody, we're not going to fucking some go after cuckoo me. bird called and said, "You know, the Monopoly game for McDonald's is rigged." Right. Oh uh, yeah. Right. Sure. Okay. Thanks. Get the tinfoil off your head. Yeah. Right. And some guy was bored one day, and he said, oh, I'm going to look into this. And Turns he, out it's super rigged, multiple millions of dollars. <laughs> he was like, what? Yeah, and it's then, crazy. It's funny. Then the supervisors who were like, oh, it's a stupid case, were like, I mean, it became an engulfing case for the FBI, and it went from 89 to 2001. That's insanity. That's insanity. That is a lot. Yeah, wow. And you know where? And it's you can see from the trailer where it all originates, but it all goes back to... Houston, Texas. No, the printer. Oh yeah, yeah. In yeah. Georgia, right. Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, uh, yeah, selling the but secrets. But it's a very hard honest. thing. It's a very hard thing to unravel. But it was almost like though the the cops and you'll see even in the trailer they explain it. It's like once they start looking at all the winners, <laughs> they're all related. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. The odds of that, they're like, wait yeah, a minute. Maybe no. <laughs> maybe But no. nobody took it serious for years and yeah, somebody snitched. Scratcher game. You know, that's that well, it was up to a million game. dollars. Yeah. Right. But those coveted things were very hard right. to um, get hold of. Yeah. I remember, remember what was happening. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, I've never seen, it's really. Yeah. I got to check that out. That sounds good. I yeah, know HBO has, HBO has done a good job of like, Stringing my subscription along now that they because like yeah I was just like once okay so let's let's actually go get into that for a little bit because the streaming network thing is an interesting thing mm-hmm. because HBO was basically had like the gold standard of like the super high quality serialized content right right, right. if you're gonna watch really good serialized content is coming right. from HBO, right? right? So, and they've had that for years then, before the Netflixes or anything else right. came on board. From Sopranos through Game of Thrones. Sopranos, Game of Thrones, etc. So now the, the 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 story was like Netflix is trying to become like HBO and mm-hmm. then the story is like, well, HBO is trying to become like Netflix faster than right. Netflix is trying to become like HBO. Right. So now the situation is like HBO is no longer really trying to be the extra money you spend on your cable bill to get HBO. Right. Because that's what it was for 30, 40 years, right? Right. It's now, I don't care about cable, Mm -hmm. so I can buy HBO like Netflix. Yeah, exactly. For... Fifteen, you know, five, ten dollars a month, whatever the right. HBO cost is, right? And get it through Amazon, or you get it through whatever get it is. Through whatever yeah. I get it, it through Amazon. That's yeah. what I get. It. Yeah, right. Uh, which means you pay extra because you're now actually paying thirty percent to Amazon. To Amazon and, on top, yeah. Yeah. and then seventy. Sure. So I actually just get it directly through them, and I actually right. pay less, right? Because I'm trying to be smarter. Thank you for that. Yeah, yeah, it's all right. I I was a math major. You were not. Uh, So, uh, (laughs) unbelievable. 
How much more? How much am I saving? They're losing thirty percent. Is it really that much of a hike? Yeah. Three bucks. You're losing three bucks a month. Yeah, three bucks a month. It's going to Amazon as opposed to your pocket. You can get a burrito once a month. No, I tell you, man. I I kind of I calculated how much I spent on Starbucks in a year. Like no, Jesus Christ, is that I don't add do up? that anymore? Oh my it's god, stupid! It's, I don't it's do insanity. that. I stopped that like four years ago. Yeah, that's yeah. embarrassing. So yeah, no, I mean that does yeah. it does add up. This this yeah. little. I don't get cable sets. either. I cancel cable about. Now we're all streaming. 100%. Yeah, we're all streaming. Uh, probably late two thousands. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, oh, okay. Like two thousand when I worked at Speed Shape, I canceled cable. Okay, I canceled two thousand thirteen, fourteen. It's a ripoff, man. I yeah, was it's like, not worth it. I'm not watching any yeah, of this. I don't watch sports. I basically uh, like, you know, just like, what about the show? Is like, if you want to see the show, yeah, there's other ways to find it, right? So, we like, did that. It, I no regrets. Like the most expensive thing that happens to me via streaming is like, um, we always host the Academy Awards, and the Academy oh. Awards you can only see through like Hulu Plus, blah blah blah, whatever. So I'll, I'll be like, all right, I'll sign up your for your fucking sixty bucks a month Hulu. With live TV, just so I can watch the Academy Awards once and then cancel it. Really? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. So like that's about that's about it. Everything else is just raw streaming all the time. Yeah. Then you know HBO is like because HBO had Game of Thrones, which I wasn't it. You know, but I was HBO is there. The quality of HBO shows have has out, there was everyone says like it's going to go down because HBO is actually down technically technically owned by AT and T. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's right. Yeah. So. Everyone's like, Game of Thrones brought to you by AT&T. Right. That sounds really strange. Yeah. And no one's right? happy with the ending of Game of Thrones. And so, so HBO is like, are they going to – because HBO has always been like, we're just going to go for the tip of the spear right. situation. Are they actually going to try to give you good quality shows right. or hmm, – Right. Yeah, like, what, like, what is their what is their game plan? Is like essentially to just become a studio for streaming services? Like, right. Yeah, like it's 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 definitely a weird position to be so, in. So, so HBO, the quality of their shows has gone down slightly, maybe. Yeah, well, I'd say that like there's there's been some highs. Like we like the Outsider. Outsider is very good. I really liked Watchmen. Watchmen was was very well done. Right, and right. they still make things like Barry. Yeah, and Barry Barry is great. So there's Fantastic. like, but like the 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 mystique of HBO being. What do you guys like, think about Westworld? Is that like I've only seen there? I've only seen the first season, and I liked the first season a lot. I, I seen did the second, exactly. Right? I, I saw I saw like three episodes of the second season. And I haven't seen it since. Yeah, I haven't I haven't caught up on that. I'm I'm working on. I like Succession right now, a lot. So. Oh yeah, I heard that's very good yeah. too. So yeah, like it seems like they they've sort of they've sort of flattened out into doing a lot of good stuff mm-hmm. instead of like having a single Sopranos kind of thing, you know. Like game, once Game of Thrones is done, it definitely leveled out into like here's Euphoria, here's blah blah blah, here's Barry, and it turns into more of like a a network. Yep. Uh, instead of like a showpiece place, and because like I don't get the feeling from HBO that they're like the fancy place you go to see the nifty things anymore. So if they can't afford it anymore because there's such a bidding wars? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I mean, like, Game of Thrones is their last big hurrah for sure. I and mean, that was a big, big hurrah. You know, they spent tons of money on that thing. And people hated it in the end. Like, it was a blowout, you know. Right. And I think that that hurt their 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 prestige image to... to I, I didn't see it. I gave up on... Why I, did they hate it at the end? Um, because the... Uh, for the last two seasons or whatever it was like the the show is no longer based on the books because the books haven't been written yet 
And so you just have the showrunners are now trying to fill out what happens. And, you know, as good as the showrunners were, they're not George R. R. Martin. You know, George R. R. Martin is the mastermind behind the whole fucking thing. And it's taken him, you know, the past, you know, 13 years to write the next book. So they're not going to be able to figure it out in, you know, a few months. Well, why do they just, you know, if it, if it, why not just leave at a good note? I know. I know. Well, why not wait until the books are done? <laughs> you know, like why? Why not wait until you have something to make? Because he doesn't. Yeah. You know, it's too bad. But um, but like the like I my I thought the the show was pretty good from what I saw the first like two three seasons I guess and I was like I already read uh the books and uh, and I had I finished reading as many books as there were and I was like this is a a good solid reminiscence of what the books are like you know it's not as good as the books but it's you know it's fine. And the series. Yeah, the series. And like I had been pushing for people. I was begging people to read these books because I was like, they're so addictive and they're so much fun and it's just so shocking and incredible. And, uh, and, but I never ever gave away once anything that happened. And nobody I knew who read those books would, they would never for a million years give away the big things that happened because you, they want to get you to read it and yeah. have you be surprised. Because, the That's, red wedding has to be experienced as the red wedding. You have to experience that thing, right? Mm -hmm. But as soon as the things happened in the series, everybody spoiled everything everywhere. Yeah, like I was the red like, wedding. and I was just like, and then and then the uh, and then the series starts. And, and that and and by the way, you're right because the red wedding is an example. That I mean, that happened ten years before the freaking movie or yeah. the, the series happened. Yeah. And no one spoiled no, it. No, I would have. I would never in a million years think of doing that. Like, why would I ruin someone else's enjoyment of this spectacular moment? Right. Like, re you read that thing. Like, I I dropped the book on the floor when I read that. I was just right. like, that is the craziest thing I have ever read. Right. You know. And I want to preserve that. If I'm going to recommend a book to somebody, I'm not going to fucking yeah. tell them what the what the punchline is. Yep. You know. Uh, but the but the way that we talk about this stuff online, it's just like people can't wait to give it away and ruin it for everybody else. Like they got there first. And so when the, the people, when, uh, when the books, when the show got ahead of the books and they're still loosely based on whatever Martin's planning on doing, like, and people were spoiling things that haven't even been published in the books. I was like, I, I wrote uh, the film thing I was on. I was like, guys, can you just not just randomly spoil this shit? Cause like some of us just read the books and they're like, give it up, man. The show's where it's at. You know, like fuck those books. The books are stupid. The show's incredible. So the schadenfreude I felt when the show bombed out was enormous. I was like, you should have read the fucking books, you idiots. <laughs> like I was so mad. There's a lot of problems. <laughs> I was there's so mad. There's a lot mad. of problems. Like the books are, are like, there's yeah. <laughs> and I'm not necessarily saying that it goes either way or whatever. I'm, right, not, I'm right, just right. saying, like, the books may be not as good as the story. I mean, I actually think there are things in the series that are better developed than the books. Oh, yeah, like he, there's a couple of things that happen in the first three seasons that are tighter than what happens in the books. Yes. They're really nicely done. Yes. So, uh, but uh, whatever. But yeah, this is the kind of frustration I have with. The way that we interact with that media, you know, what, it's just what, like what you know. Going back to Rushmore, like mm -hmm. that that whole series or the the, the books and the, the series 
is all about character development. Yeah, absolutely. Like rich, rich character development, right? right? You get that, to know these people really deeply. Yes. That's the idea. Yeah, yeah. And so you got to play them like, you know, Peter Dinklage and, right. and, and Jason Schwartzman. Those, those are characters that are like, whoa, what's yeah, going and, on? And it's really, it's really satisfying to see this yeah. stuff play out, you know? Yeah. And I think that like, that when you, when, uh, like HBO, uh, streaming wise, like they, cornered the market on writing great character stuff for a long, long, long time. Yep. Right. And now they're up against, I don't know, like I think the way that we uh, deal with shows and the way we watch shows now, like they seem to be catering their shows more towards very quick, uh, easily consumable, great stuff like Barry, but it's like, you can go blow through Barry in a day. You can easily, easily get Barry done. You know, like that's an easy sure. one. And it's a great, it's a great show. It's one of my favorite shows in years. Um, but, uh, all this stuff is like, like here's, it's more like regular TV. So people can consume it quick, talk about it and yes. move on to the next yes. thing, yes. Yes. you yes. know? And, uh, and, uh, and I think the only thing that they have going right now that has any real slow depth to it is the outsider. And like, Interesting. and so they're, they're riding that one slow, but like there's no, I think they've, they're, they're giving up their mantle of, the, of the prestige Sopranos experience. I think that is, that is probably behind HBO right now. And I think that they're, they're just going to be essentially a studio that, um, that creates decent fun content for streaming services. Wow. You know, I think, I think their great days are probably behind them. So, huh. okay. Fair enough. Yeah. yeah. Could like, be. Cause I mean, Netflix is way more experimental than, than those guys are. Netflix yeah, takes because, risks. Well, because Netflix is not based on legacy. Yeah, exactly. And HBO is. And HBO totally is. Yeah. Uh, exactly. Okay. So let's 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 uh fast forward to Grand Budapest Hotel. Yep. Let's do it. Because um that is several movies past Rushmore. Right. So we've got uh Real Tenenbaums, uh Left Aquatic, a couple Couple other things, yeah. Mr. Fox. Limited, uh, fantastic, right. Mr. Fox. Yeah, I've got, have, have happened between those right. two films. Right? Yeah, Moonrise so, Kingdom. Yeah, right. And I actually up. really like Moonrise Kingdom. Right. Um, right. Uh, but what Wes Anderson had established at this point, which is probably very attractive to actors, is strong character development. Right. Everyone had every character that's introduced into part of his plot point has a mystery right. background that is uh, something that is uh, probably very attractive right. as an actor. Right. And so now everyone person. everyone wants to show up at the party. Everyone wants to be at the party, right? right? So suddenly you have a movie like uh, Grand Budapest Hotel that's got Wes Fines in it, but it's right. also got you know. Harvey Keitel right. and uh, you know all these actors. Name them all; right. it doesn't matter. There's a ton of them. Yeah, and and like you know, name them all; it doesn't matter. Yeah, like there's no. It reason, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. There's no reason to have the these point actors being there. the point being like it's like a cameo fest. Yeah, and and like it's it's kind of fun, 
you know, it's sort of it's it's fine. Like I'm just like, oh well. I, guess I don't mind not. cameos. It's it's good, but it just limits the. Yeah, but seriousness. wasn't Smokey and the Bandit one of those? <laughs> yeah, it's like, like yeah, exactly. But but Smokey the Bandit is like that's what the thing. was it's the, like, the Austin Powers film? Like the, the 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 second one where it was like just one cameo after, after another. Sure, but I mean like hilarious. But it, like that's the thing is like you, like those Smoking the Bandits. You know, like these movies are ultra fun uh, or Cannonball Run. There's a great one, right? That's yeah. what I meant. Yeah. yeah. Cannonball Run, Cameo Fest. And you're not there because you're expecting a deep experience. You're expecting like here's, an, you know, Dean Martin and Sammy Davis Jr. doing their thing. And there's, you know, fucking uh, uh, what's his name uh, uh, playing the doctor. And, you know, it's you don't take it seriously from the get go. James Whereas, Coco. Yeah. James Coco. I mean, like and uh, and uh, these bleeds, these bleeds up this nose. But, uh, like, you don't go into Cannonball Run going, like, the guy who made this is actually a great filmmaker. It's like, not fucking, uh, you know, Robert Altman didn't make Cannonball Run. And right. you don't go in there thinking this is going to be something deep and, and heartfelt. You go in there because it's going to be a fucking noisy mess, and that's why you want to pay the money for it. Right. Whereas, like, with Wes Anderson, because of Rushmore and Bottle Rocket and a little bit of Royal Tenenbaums and Live Aquatic, like, I know how good he is, you know, and I know the meat that can right. be on this thing. Now, the story itself. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, what he delivers is an interesting thing because he basically puts the uh, premise in a very fantastical way. Right, right. And, you know, it's the the – it's somewhere in Europe. Right. It's a, yeah. They even called it it's it's Grand a, Budapest Hotel. It's not actually in Budapest. In Budapest. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like it's a, it's a fantasy, almost children's book version of yes. a pre-World War II, like 1933 or somewhere around this right. area. And, and everything that's portrayed in it is done in very wonky miniatures. Yeah. And it feels, it feels very people, if people who haven't seen this yet, um, might relate it to, uh, uh, lemony snicket like that's yeah. that is the vibe mm-hmm. that, that now puts across and like and that's like, i would actually say lemony snicket probably borrowed from this film oh he- yeah super heavily and heavily. Ha- <coughs> paddington 2 borrows from it heavily yeah. and like then this is the thing is like the the drag of watching this i still like i still really en- i enjoyed it more the second time than i did the first time but like i was really aware of other films and series that had ripped off this stylization and made movies that I enjoyed more with it. You know, like, okay. you know, where you just like, Paddington 2 is a really good movie. And it feels. It actually is. It's yes. a really good, it's a very charming movie. And it, you know, it looks like a fucking Wes Anderson movie. You know, um, uh, like Lemony Snicket, which is not like a deep experience, but like, it's always really likable characters. And I really enjoyed it does myself. It feel like a Wes Anderson and film. And it feels though. like a Wes Anderson film. Yeah. Uh, whereas like, uh, Grand Budapest Hotel is a much, like there's much more real art put into this thing for sure. Sure. You know, like it, it feels, it feels like a richer, uh, construction. Um, but it, at the same time, it feels like it's kind of shying away from really engaging something more dramatic and real, you know? And I feel like there's like, there, it brings in a little tiny bit you of know, it. You know, the thing is, it's actually the, the, it's, it's a really good film mm-hmm. and it, it delivers everything. It's only it's only quote unquote disappointment is that I expected more from Wes Anderson because of Rushmore. Exactly. It it feels light. It feels light in the in a bad but, way. But if if I hadn't known about Rushmore it, then I would have been like, Oh, the movie's great. I love it. You know? Exactly. Yeah. Which is sad. Yeah. Because basically he defeated himself in 
in the in the and it's not to say that it's not a good film. Yeah, it's a totally enjoyable movie. Totally enjoyable movie. And the cinematography is amazing. Yeah, Everything is great about it. Right. And it, I honestly speaking, I really love the bracket that Eric brought there because because it's like you start from Bottle Rocket, you go all the way to Grand Budapest Hotel, and you realized how different those films are from each oh, other. Yeah. yeah. Yet the the glue of what's powerful about these two movies is really exemplified in the best of both of those worlds as Rushmore. As Rushmore, because Rushmore retains all the heart right. of Bottle Rocket. Right? So, and, 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 but it also maintains all of the art yeah. of, like, of it, well, Grand Budapest. Exactly. Like, it's, the, it's the start of that entire experience. Right. And the thing is, like, it, but it, but it, it, it stops being that rough hewn trying to make it look great right. feeling and more like, uh, what's the word? Like de rigueur, kind of like, oh, I do this really well. And every single shot looks like a great 60s album cover. Right. You know, and I'm just like, yeah, I know, you, I know you can do this well. And it's, it's beautiful. And, yeah, I, and it's a great fucking tashing book that I can keep on my ta- coffee table. <laughs> yeah. And it's, and it's marvelous, but yep. it's just like the, and, and you could do that with every single movie and I'll never pick on you for it. The only thing that I'm missing is the heart of what you're talking about. You know, like it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't carry this this uh, emotional weight. Is it that too I... self-referential? Referential? Meaning, I always sense, right. like, well, judging from the cast, it's just getting a bunch of friends together and having a really good right. time. Right. Well, and I do think that there's like a, there's a certain element of like it's like how I said with like obviously uh, Rushmore and Bottle Rocket are are very much drawn from his own life, but then you look at movies like um, um, uh, uh, Life Aquatic. I think it's really fascinating because it has all these sort of goofy light. You know, uh, handmade elements, but the movie is actually very uh, slow and sad, and it's about being uh, uninvolved and being um, depressed. You know, where, where Bill Murray's, but Bill Murray's character in that movie is angry and depressed the whole time, and he can't like, even though the world around him is literally fucking animated cartoon fish, he is unimpressed with it. Like it's no fun anymore, and I'm like. This is saying this is Wes Anderson saying something about Wes Anderson. Like Wes Anderson is is Bill Murray in that movie. Like I am a celebrated filmmaker. The movie opens up with Life Aquatic opens up with a new film from Steve Zissou and like it's you know in this miraculous theater and everyone's here to applaud this marvelous new film just like Wes Anderson opening at Con doing right. something. Yeah. Right? And then he puts a movie up and everyone's like, "What? Well, this wasn't really the best work." You know, and is kind of disappointed in Steve Zissou. And then Steve Zissou is like, he's got, he's got his whole fucking team on his great big boat that he's pull, pulled all together. It's like Max has brought the entire team together. Wes has brought the whole team together, but he's not having any fun. And that's what the movie is about. Mm. And the movie is about trying to get in touch with, and it's like, it's amazingly literal. Like, Bottle Rocket and, um, Rushmore are connected are like the fact that those two movies are incredible and they're both co-written by Owen Wilson is important. Like, yes. Well, like Owen Wilson is some sort of muse for Wes Anderson. Like, Oh yes. Right. Yeah. And, and I think people don't appreciate Exactly. They don't that. say, cause they, cause Owen Wilson went off and do, did so many like dumbass drill bit, blah, blah, blah yeah, comedies. Yeah. Yeah. But the dude's a brilliant writer. And, uh, and in Royal Tenenbaums, he didn't, he didn't co-write it, but he's in it. And he plays the fucking drug addict, wild, crazy writer. And I'm like, that's probably who Owen Wilson really is. Yep. You know? And 
And so by the time you get to Life Aquatic, if you project, I mean, I don't know anything about Wes Anderson. This is all just made up. But I mean, like the way that I see it is like, this is Wes Anderson talking about how he has pulled the team together. He's got everybody on the fucking boat and in like there's animated fish and all this crazy stuff, but it's not He's not connecting to his childhood. He's not connecting to what was spiritual to him before. And then Bill Murray meets uh, Owen Wilson in the movie. And Owen Wilson is is Bill Murray's maybe son. And Bill Murray is suddenly reinvigorated and has fun again. Like, that's Wes Anderson talking about his early days. Like, he's got Owen Wilson in his fucking movie. And that's what he's talking about. Right. It's, it's Rushmore. It's Bottle Rocket. I, if I can just get back to when I was fucking feeling like this, then it'll all come back. You know? And so I think that, that part of him is aware of the weird trap that he's built for himself where like, you know, by the time he makes Grand Budapest Hotel, he's basically making like, you know, a fucking, um, you know, Star Wars uh, Christmas special full of, you know, walk on stars. Mm-hmm. And, and it's just like, what the, you obviously have a great idea for a movie here. You know, like, what is your movie? What are you saying? Did you ever watch, uh, God, what was it? It was David Cross did, uh, run, Ronnie run. Oh, no, you told me about this. No, I haven't, I haven't seen this yet. It's a stupid movie. I love stupid movies. Highly recommend a stupid movie to watch. Yes, absolutely. But basically, the the whole point is, it's this guy named Ronnie, mm. who, uh, if you guys have lived in the United States and remember uh, some some uh, uh, faux documentaries or documentaries called Cops, where people are chasing after idiots yeah, that are running away from people, yeah, dunderheads that go out, and right? And it's like, oh no, we gotta catch that guy. Yeah. And so there was a show called Cops, and so basically, Run Ronnie Run was a takeoff of that. Yes. And so uh, played by David Cross, who's a stand-up comedian, and he, who grew up in Atlanta. And the whole point of Run Donnie Run is that it's a guy who's a repeat offender who keeps repeatedly showing up on Cops. <laughs> For running away from the cops. Right. And he, through the course of this movie, becomes famous as that guy that keeps running away from the cops. Run, Ronnie, run. And so his name is Ronnie. Yeah. And so he ends up moving to L.A. (laughs) And he's just a fucking idiot (laughs) that runs from the cops. Right, right. And uh, he's at a – you know, a cocktail party in L.A. Mm-hmm. where Eva Winona Ryder is like, oh, my God, you're Ronnie. I can't believe that. Like, insult me. <laughs> and he goes – and he looks at me and he goes, all right, fuck you, bitch. He's like, yay. Yeah, I was insulted she was by so Ronnie. Ali- yeah, right, it was right, like right. that level of right. how stupid they are. And people are so excited. Making yeah. fun of th- – and the movie is making fun of that. Yeah, exactly. This fucking dumbass right. relationship that he has with like the person that he is, he is now, trapped as being. I, and I, and, I, and this is a, like I said, it's a really stupid movie, but mm-hmm. there is a moment of pure genius in this movie mm-hmm. where, because it's, it's, uh, it's David Cross, right? And uh, as, as Ronnie, mm-hmm. he's, 
plays the character of Ronnie with a like a thick redneck accent. That's amazing, right? That from good. from Georgia because right. he grew up in Georgia, Atlanta, Georgia. This is where uh, David Cross is from. Right. So he's got that thick redneck accent, and he is in L.A. and going on a tirade about the situation that's going on with him. Right, and the camera. It is is falling around. So he's walking in a wide circle, right? The character is. Mm-hmm. Wide circle. As he's walking through this wide circle, the camera is following him. And he is going on a tirade about Hollywood, et cetera, et cetera, right. with his thick accent. Uh-huh. Then the conversation, as it starts to go to about a 90-degree angle from the original uh-huh. position – the conversation starts to change about the movie you're actually that watching. You are watching. You right. are watching. Yeah, right. And you start to go literally break behind the wall. Right. Does he keep his accent or does his accent no, fade? No, the out? accent fades yeah, to yeah, David that Cross. Amazing. That's great. That's great. And talks about why the movie that he's actually shooting is fucked up. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. And you're actually breaking behind <laughs> the wall. This. And you're seeing the rest of the crew that's actually shooting the movie that you're that watching. You're watching, right, right, right. Oh, and God, and it. and then and then it slowly fades back as you break through the wall again. And you're back with you're back thick with Georgian accent, thick Georgian right. accent. That's and genius. you were experiencing the whole thing, right. and you're realizing like, yeah, it's all fucked up. Yeah, awesome, dude. And, I love it. And there's something to be said about that. That moment. is a, that's a gag born out of something to say. Like that's a real from fucking a really thing. stupid movie. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like, you could be as stupid you stupid as you want to be. That's fine. I love stupid. Yeah, and, and you know what? And I thought about that because like that gag mm-hmm. is amazing and rich and worth mentioning, mm-hmm. and hardly see hardly noticeable to most people. Even watching the movie, they right. don't even watch realize what they just well, saw exactly. happen. It's amazing. And then you juxtapose that to a movie we already talked about War of the Worlds where yep. like the camera is moving around the entire car through this stressful situation right. clearly done as a thing what David Cross did was a way more creative move yeah and it's as a, for no money yeah exactly done for no money yeah. and all he did was change his accent exactly that's fucking beautiful that's and like that's the kind of like this is the kind of thing where it's just like you know, like you know that that uh, like when a f- when you're on as an artist, when you know you're you're fucking you're digging the gold out of the hill. Yep. Like you can do no wrong, and everything is fucking rocking. Like that's the kind of stuff that uh, that Bottle Rocket represents. That's the kind of stuff that Rushmore represents. Like right. the, he's not making any mistakes. He is in the zone. Yeah. Right. And he, there's no strain in these movies. There's no trying to impress me with anything in these movies. They impress me because the movie is fucking amazing. All right. There's no strain in the run, runny, run gag. Like it's, no. it naturally comes out of the gag. Right. And the point I brought, the reason I brought up the run, runny, run movie was that I felt like we're just going to introduce random people in this movie. Right. right. Like Winona Ryder right. was brought into Run, Ronnie, Run just because 
I need Winona Ryder yeah, exactly. or whoever. Right. I don't right. even yeah, know right. if it was Winona Ryder or whoever sure. it was. It was like, well, I'll just put these people. So somehow, like, one, I'm watching Grand Budapest Hotel, mm-hmm. which, by the way, was a really good movie. Uh, yeah. yeah. Like, the don't plot mean to, was to, solid. Yeah. It's super fun. Really fun. But, like, I was like, oh, well okay. Made so we're just going to throw Harvey Keitel into the right. prison situation because right. he wants to be in a movie. Yeah, and it felt it, that way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. This, is, this is what I'm saying. It's just, yeah. like, you know what I mean, oh yeah. yeah, that's like, do you just throw these people in because it's all buddies and or whatever yeah. the connection? But it's it that's the way it. It's not saying that it is Cannonball Run, but there is a quality it's of that Cannonball Run. It's the New Yorkers version of Cannonball. That's Run. right. That's what, yeah. that's what we're doing. Here. New Yorkers version. <laughs> like I'm, I've been slamming on the New Yorker. What I said last time when I was like, we're talking about Marriage Story, and I was like, it felt like having a issue the new yorker stuffed in my mouth or whatever it was just like like, i love i love the new yorker i think like the new yorker is a great magazine they publish incredible material but when they go wrong they go grand budapest hotel they're elitist they're elitists and 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 grand budapest hotel feels empty like it's really good it's high quality everything is well made everything is Beautifully constructed, and it, if I didn't know anything about Wes Anderson, it is going to do fabulously at the Tribeca Film Festival. Yeah, exactly. It, like, this it, is everybody it is, can it congratulate is Tribeca, right, right. It is made for Tribeca Film Festival. Right. right? There's nothing. There's nothing earthy about this movie. There's nothing yeah. rich about this movie. Yeah, exactly. It's simply something that everyone can go. Wasn't that lovely? Yes. And I'm just like, who fucking cares. Like, yeah. who cares? And you it, and you, and you compare that to to uh, Bottle Rocket, right. which was like gritty and like done yeah. in your basement. And I fucking watched Bottle Rocket at least 50 times now. Yeah. Rushmore, 50 times. Easy. Easy. Rushmore is like, like if you're going to take that, 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 that skill you had. Yeah. yeah. And, and by the way, uh, uh, Rushmore was not shy of celebrities, right? Oh yeah, it, no, it absolutely. had Bill Murray in there. Yeah. And Bill Murray fucking delivered yeah i mean and even even on the art film tip uh the guy who plays um max's dad is seymour cassell who's for, you know from uh yeah. the you know all the fucking john uh what's Cassavetes. his name Cassavetes movies right. from the 70s i actually had i had a dinner with seymour cassell with a friend of mine who knows him nice. knew him he's died and man cassell was a he was a rowdy rowdy dude i couldn't even believe it like that guy was like he was he was a body body person. Like I, I couldn't believe what a different personality he was in real life compared to say Max's dad. <laughs> like it was hysterical. Max's dad he's so gentle and kind. And meanwhile, like it was um uh me and uh my friend Jake who uh, cool. set it up and we're like we're at we're at at uh Boa in Santa Monica. Oh yeah. And uh and at one point uh Cassell is telling the story about how he walked in on Cassavetti's like sleeping with his friend's gal. And so he gets up and, and you know, Cassell must have been like, I don't know, like 80 or something like when, when I had, he gets up and he mimes uh, having sex against the wall, like with a family, like with children, like, like three feet away. And he's just like pumping the wall. And I'm just like. <laughs> What the fuck is happening? It was That's literally funny. the the absolute opposite. I mean, he was a super funny guy, and I really had a, I had a blast, an absolute blast. But like he is, uh, he comes from a generation of filmmakers. You know, like Cassavetes was a maniac. You know, and you watch you, you watch any of that stuff that he did with uh, Cassell back back in the sixties and seventies. Like that was live wire filmmaking, man. Everything we're talking about now, where it's like you know, get excited, Wes, make a real movie. 
Like that's what Cassavetes was doing. That's what Seymour Cassell was doing. And you see like Seymour Cassell being so mellow in, um, uh, in, uh, in Rushmore. It's so funny because like Wes Anderson is essentially trying to be that gentle person now. And I'm like, Wes at heart, you are Seymour Cassell, like the real guy. You make crazy movies with real heart with them, you know, and that's what he needs to get back to. It looks like the new, the new that one is the same thing, though. It looks like another grand. It looks like a really nicely shot Grand Budapest. Budapest, yeah, yeah. Um, it might might be good. I don't know. It's got you know, it's got some great shots and whatnot. But I'm just like, come on, dude, like light light the fire again. Like that's that's what I'm like. I you know I don't know anything about Wes Anderson. I'm, I he looks like he's a really nice guy and he can do whatever obviously whatever he wants with his life. But when people slam him for the movies all being the same, I think they're misplacing their criticism. They're complaining about his movies the way that people blame um bad CG for a bad movie. Right. And uh like they're displacing their pain. Like what they really are complaining about is they want to be in touch with the movie. You know, and instead he's presenting them with yet another incredibly beautiful and slightly inert gift box. You know, and that's what's or something they've already experienced. Yeah, exactly. Like you can make it. So that's the problem. Right. Right. You know, it is. If I if I get like because he actually uh, Rushmore was very 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 personal. Right. Absolutely. And and in Grand Budapest Hotel was not right. It is murder on the Orient Express as presented by uh, Wes Anderson. Yeah, exactly. Jeez. Right. So, so I think what he's doing is he's delivering to you something that is beautiful, well developed as characters, mm-hmm. but ultimately something we've seen that was done in the forties and fifties. Right. Could it? Right. Is it because he's basing? The genesis of all these projects based on drawings rather than real life experiences. He's starting with an art book first, I guess. Yeah, he yeah, started with right. his own personal drawings. Yeah, created uh, something. Very it, it, Tim Burton. Possible. Tim Burton has the same problem. Tim, yeah, yeah. He, oh, absolutely. I, like, I went to go see the Tim Burton exhibit just as art. Um, I at saw the, it at uh, I saw it at uh, uh, LACMA. LACMA, right? And yeah. I was stunned. I was just like, this guy was a fucking genius. Oh, his artwork is amazing. Artwork is, and there's just an endless amount of it. I was like, there's no, there's almost nothing to do with his movies. It's just his paintings and his illustrations yeah. and sculptures. And it was just this this fucking cornucopia of brilliant, brilliant work, right? And I was just like, oh my god, like he hasn't made a good movie in I don't know twenty years. Uh, you know, right? He's stuck making these giant, crappy Disney movies that are terrible. You know, yeah. in the meantime, like yeah, well, this is where his, Depp, yeah, so. like this this is where his heart lies. Like this is his real art. Why doesn't he do that? Yeah, I'm just like, holy smokes, man! Like that's you know, he doesn't pay the bills. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And you I need I, that much money. Yeah, I mean, like I wonder. You know, I do wonder about people like Burton, where you're just like, clearly, you love doing something else, but you can't give up on the. On the on the big fat paycheck of uh, yeah. fucking Alice in Wonderland, second on the teat of Disney. Yeah, it's like Jesus yeah, Christ. I don't know. God bless him. I love. I've loved many of his movies, and, and like, and his yeah. art is incredible. And he seems like a good dude. But <clears throat> I was just like, I was thinking about watching Edward Scissorhands again because I love that. That's a good movie. That's that's really that's a very good movie. Uh, yeah. Ed Wood is one of my very. That favorites. is my favorite. One of my uh, favorite movies. Such a brilliant film. Dolores, don't get kooky on me. Oh my god, man! It's like in another great Murray. Uh, uh, character and when I was in Paris, uh, Bunny Breckenridge, man, 
Mexico mm-hmm. was a disaster. <laughs> Litter. Litter. So good. So I, what's interesting is to think about uh, Wes Anderson th- through that time, mm-hmm. right? So Bottle Rocket, Rushmore, uh, all of that stuff. It's like, did he sell out to himself? I don't know. Uh, I don't know if it's. A, I don't know if it's a total. I mean, he's found a niche for himself. Or did he sell out at all? Like, yeah, because I don't think he sold out like in a classic way. I don't think he like. Do you think he likes doing these types of movies, or do you think he would like to go back to Rushmore? I think I, he probably has a really comfortable New York life, society wise, yeah, yeah. and a lot of connections, a lot of good parties, a lot of interesting people. He's part of the scene, and uh, why not just do the same thing that kind of made everybody love you? Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, I, th- I, I actually think of him as Max. I totally think of him as Max. So, I, so, so he sold out. Yeah, I feel like I feel like because it, what if Max became famous for being Max? Yeah, exactly. And then instead of going back to doing that play, you know, the 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 uh, Apocalypse Now play, right, right? He should have like, yeah, it's not quite there. There's a lot of problems with it, just like Bottle Rocket, right? 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 Well, I mean, but why is, not go back to that? Yeah. When in doubt, do a heist film. Do a heist film. Well, the thing is, man, that, like, that to start it's, with. It's essentially, like, Grand go Budapest back, is a heist film. Like, it's about, like, Ray Fiennes is trying to steal the work of art and get away from And, like, yeah. that's basically the, that's more or it's less not, the plot. Yeah, you know? but that's but not a heist no, film. It's, I, 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 totally. But, I mean, like, well, like, I think that, like, if you follow through the idea of, like, okay, so Life Aquatic is Wes Anderson commenting on the fact that he's not having any fun making this stuff anymore sure. right uh then i think that like grand budapest hotel is sort of trying to get away with something you know like he is the concierge wes anderson is the concierge he's the one who brings everyone together into the hotel you know and it's all part of this big you know party that goes on but then the most fun part of the movie is when the concierge uh is on the lamb you know, and like he wants, like he clearly wants to get back to that, um, that kind of storytelling. And it's the most fun part of the movie. Like once you leave the hotel, that's the most fun part of Grand Budapest Hotel. And like, cause then you, then, then at least Ray Fiennes is in action, you know, but I think that there's too much dead weight, uh, and not even dead, like it's all entertaining, but there's, there's too much fluff all around what's happening for it to develop any real momentum for me. Sure. You know, and so I think that he wants, I think some part of him wants to break out and do something that is, that gets, gets it, gets that action back for him, but he hasn't found a way to really do that yet. And I think that like Grand Budapest, instead of being the heist film it should have been, is another sort of box of macaroons and, and people are like, oh, Wes, it's so just, what a romp, you know? And like, if I were him, I'd be like, fuck, just kill me. (laughs) <laughs> like I want to get right. back to the good stuff, right? You know, and there are a couple of shots in um, French Dispatch trailer that I was just like, there's a little bit of like, uh, um, you know, um, uh, uh, what, what's the the uh, Battle of Algiers shots yeah. in there and some shit like that. <laughs> I'm just like, okay, maybe, maybe it'll work, maybe it'll work, but like, yeah. uh, but I really want to be in it. Next so he's time. becoming a film trailer. historian rather than a storyteller. Yeah, yeah, you know, and and I, I, I I'm looking for. I hope that. Before he gets too old, he uh, he cracks that nut again. I think that he's really he's he's unbelievably skilled. You know, brilliant writer, brilliant. Move out of New York, move to some small town. Yeah, 
and um, get a little budget and start shooting. Yeah, yeah. no shit, dude. Do I mean, some fly fishing. Do some fly fishing. And you fucking love think your about fly moving. fishing, Chris. That's right. That's a special place. That's a special place. How long do you fly fish for? Is it like a six-hour stretch? Uh, I fly fish for about three and a half hours on on Monday because we lovely. had a day off. That's really lovely. Um, and I got really pissed off. Oh no! Why? Because the fish don't speak Spanish. Uh, a little Spanish fly is what you need to do to get them <laughs> to speak Spanish. That's right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Makes sense to me. Yeah. Makes sense to me. No. Um, you got pissed off fly fishing. Yeah, my, my flies were deteriorating, mm. and I actually I'm uh, I'm. Is actually, it the gum on it or the glue that was causing them to? Yeah, do it? I'm actually thinking about tying my own flies. I used to do that. I took a course on that. Really? As a kid, it was fun though, right? It's it was good. Fly. It's really you're definitely going to blow through a lot before you you get the groove going. Right. Yeah, I bet. Oh, and getting the wrapping it but i used to love stuff like that and i i actually like making the the, uh, the flies more than fly fishing because i get just like impatient in the river i bet so i like both and mm. uh my brother was more sit there for hours in the river and i would be like i'm gonna go sit in the edge so the thing that like I, I i actually don't care about actually catching fish i actually care about the experience of fishing Right. Uh, so that was a thing that I figured out. Also, I started to because my wife has been pressuring me to get back into fishing because she thinks I need a little bit of a, uh, a mind separation from things going on. Like it's like a de-stressor. De-stressor. Yeah. So I've started to uh, you know I used to fish every weekend like twenty years ago. I used to fish every weekend. That was what I did all the time. Um, and I don't do that. And so it's like, you need to get back into this or something, but I know you can do this because you used to do that. So I got into it. And so the world has changed in the last 20 years. So now YouTube has got a ton of content on fishing. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. And you can learn anything from YouTube. Right. Literally so, at all. So I started to watch a lot of YouTube and then, uh, and there's some great people that like get really excited to watch on YouTube. Uh, there's one guy specifically that uh, does uh, kayak fishing that I got into. Nice. And um, he and his buddies, uh, they're in Panama. And uh, one guy hooked into uh, a very skilled kayak fisherman mm -hmm. uh, off uh, just off the coast of Panama, hooked into a 500-pound black marlin on a kayak. Holy Christ. How did did that get... drag him? Is that online? It is online. That'd be like a a, a luge. You'd be pulled along. Like, it'd be like so was he going so, submersive so much? So so the 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 uh, the mar he was very the guy was very smart about. Uh, okay. So it was a six hour fight. Nice. Hmm. Uh, it dragged him out to sea fifteen miles. Jeepers, that is old man in the sea business right yes. there. That's very serious. Holy. So, uh, so yeah, they, 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 they never actually touched a fish. They, what's called leadered the fish, where you, you hold on to the leader. You can see the fish, but you don't actually touch the fish. Right. The fish was released and it was fine. Big deal. Anyway, I got into that because, like, that's exciting stuff that yeah. I started to watch. Like, oh my God. You like, got I would send never me have found, I never would have found that information if I wasn't into fishing. Right. But then suddenly, like, send when, us the link, by the way. I will I will do that. But one of the things that I also like when I really like just 
like a lot of shit's going down and mm-hmm. I need to just like Bob Ross it. Zone out. Zone out. I need to watch a little like a painting with Bob Ross. Mm-hmm. Uh, just watch videos about tying flies. That, that, that must be quite fascinating. Right. It's just like, okay, we're going to show you how to do a clouser. Get the little needle nose clamp. Yep. And yep. you got the little, and then you had these little feathers, et cetera, et cetera. Fascinating. Really good. Very peaceful. Very peaceful. Mm-hmm. I will recommend another little thing here on top of that, which was brought up to me by my friend Alex Nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a This American Life uh, episode called – you will love this, Eric. You're going to totally love this – called The Great Feather Heist. Oh, man. That's uh, that's like if you two had a baby. And it was yes. a great, it was a, so this American life I've said. <laughs> it is a story about a guy who was an expert fly fisherman who tied prize salmon flies. Mm-hmm. That's and, a. I just want to appreciate that for a second. He said tied prize salmon flies. <laughs> right. <laughs> that is a toy boat experience right there. And what he did <laughs> is he would base them on old recipes, and they were called recipes mm-hmm. of tying flies back from a long time ago. Now think about like 18th century, 19th century time mm-hmm. when uh, women would wear hats with elaborate exotic feathers. Mm-hmm. The equivalent for men was to have uh, flies for their uh, for uh, fly fishing mm-hmm. with exotic feathers. I see. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And those became exotic recipes. Exotic recipes for flies. So uh, that art has died. Mm-hmm. And you don't really need those exotic feathers to make the flies anymore. But those recipes still exist. And people who are – as you elevate your skill set in the fly fishing realm, you start to encrunch on those like, I need this exotic feather from this exotic bird. To make that happen. Right. So the what happened in this podcast is this guy uh, discovered that he could get these exotic feathers by breaking into the uh, London Museum of Natural Science mm-hmm. archives mm-hmm. of exotic birds. Victorian Albert or just the London – Yes. And the get- V&A. And to, and to get these, like he stole two hundred and fifty birds from the museum. Wow! <laughs> and and they were the skins are used across all these things. So the reporter who was looking into this was like, "I gotta find out more about this." And what's interesting is that the guy who stole these uh, uh, um, these skins. Uh, was a flautist, was a concert flautist. So he wanted to use the money to buy himself a golden flute. It just gets crazier as you go along. It's really insane. Any story you can tell that uses the word flautist. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're in business. And bird skins. And ties Um, prize salmon flies. Yes. So (laughs) Jason Schwartzman. (laughs) Yeah. It's totally this is Rushmore in a lot of a lot of ways. So so it was fascinating like and so the reporter decides like he hears like vague 
references to this story. It's like, I got to f- figure this out. So he goes to a uh, uh, um, a uh, conference where people are tying flies or giving feathers or whatever it is. And he's like, I want to hear, like, do you, have you heard of this story? Story, And he's going to all these people. And this one guy's like, listen, kid, <laughs> you don't want to write that story. I'm just letting you know this is a group of people that don't want to be trifled with. That's right. It's like, wait, what? Mm. Okay. Uh, yeah. It gets real. So anyway. Go back to listen to that story. This was uh, – uh, Alex Nice told me about the story because I was posting pictures of me fly fishing. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you got to listen to this. This like, American oh, life. Oh, my God. 100% worth it. That sounds amazing. So I uh, I listened to it. I listened to it with uh, with my son as I was driving him to his uh, class. And uh, – and he, he wants to listen to his music. And I was like, well, let's listen to this podcast instead. I was like, all right. And he's listening to it and he goes, is this – did this really happen in real life? I said, <laughs> yeah. And he goes, this is a crazy story. And he goes, real life stories sometimes are better than <laughs> the stories that are made up. Dude, yeah. I mean like especially like I, th- I can't believe that there aren't more stories, more movies made from great podcasts. Right. Like Carriers – have you seen Carrier? No. They're going to do – my dad wrote a porno. Oh, really? Yeah. No shit. Oh, no. Actually, then they're making a TV they're, show they're, out of uh, Slow Burn as well. Yeah. But uh, but yeah. like the Podcast is actually now the the – not that anyone's going to use this podcast for uh, a movie of any kind. But that we should turn this into a heist film. <laughs> the three of us would They tried to turn – I was talking to one of the worst studio. heist people. <laughs> About what I was, what I've been working on mm-hmm. into a podcast, but I was like, "There's no way you can make that a podcast." No, you can definitely make an interesting podcast though that that has the same uh, stamp on it about the subject that is most interesting. I mean, you know what? The, well, the intention that they said is correct. Mm-hmm. Like a podcast is something to consider. You have to find a way. I to- did. I did a. I did a breakdown, but I said honestly, it's just. Better that we just go straight for what we're trying to do. I believe that there will be a podcast about this thing, but it's going to be after the show. Is That's here. funny right. you say that because I said that too. It was Endeavor. Yeah, it was Endeavor. In the same way and I just was like, I, I can't a do this now. About- if you say – I'm sorry. If you put this or this in front of me, I'd rather put all my time into making the show because I don't know how to wrap all that in and then there's a lot of – other things involved. Yeah, and- because like it'll come clear once the show comes. I'm sorry, everybody. We're talking about a project that uh, Eric will let the world know about at some point because it's gonna, it's an amazing project. Um, and once it comes through, but the uh, if uh, it goes, through. it's it's gonna go through. Knockwood. But the uh, uh, the the fact is that uh, podcasts are now a great way to augment this stuff, and so like the things that don't get said in the show now get turned into. The addenda for that episode, like there was a right. Chernobyl podcast that was totally fascinating. Speaking, speaking dead is walking. Speaking dead, dead exactly right. that kind of stuff. So I think that yeah, that will they happen. Were pushing, for sure. They were pushing it, and I worked with this guy many years, uh, an animator, artist, great artist, filmmaker Dan Blank, and he did Carrier, which just was picked up on Friday. Oh, that's great with Amblin. No, oh, that's neat. That's really good. Yeah, I don't know what you could possibly make out of this one, but I'd, I'd be in it. There's violence. And um, and some heisting. Then I think we could make Bartini Giant the heist. It was, what did you say earlier? It was alienation at prep school. What was it? You said something earlier about being at Hackley. It was like alienated at prep school. 
Yeah. I don't know, but I was alien at it prep was, school. Yeah. That sounds like that. A, just like a good title right there. Hackley. You know what? The thing about Hackley, Hackley was a good school. I was there for a year and a half. I was there for half of my junior year and my senior year of high school because before that I was in a, I was living in Greece. But um, the – the I, unrelatable to the kids in the same way that Max was, but in the same way that Max was, I was I could relate to the teachers. The teachers were great, right? Right. I remember all my teachers much better than I remember any of my students or my my like yeah, Mister Nathan, who was like my Mister Chips, right? right? He like he was a powerful English teacher. And I was not a good, you know, uh, Mr. Uh, uh, Mitanov, who was like my physics teacher. He was freaking amazing, right? Right. Um, So I remember all those guys, the teachers were good, as you would imagine a school like Hackley having good teachers. Access to good teachers, sure. Right. Right? So – and those guys had been teaching at that school for 30 plus years, right? Mm. Yeah. Mm. Mr. Nathan was fucking good. Mr. Nathan. Yeah. That sounds like a podcast right there. Mr. Nathan was um we were doing our um we were doing our uh you know, we we had to do our tragedy paper. As mm-hmm. you, a lot of people have to do in their senior year in high school. Yep. And he was very strict about that stuff and good. And and he was, and then we, he said, I was like, all right, everybody. Tomorrow is the parent teacher conference. <laughs> I hate parent teacher conferences. <laughs> nice. Parents are the stupidest <laughs> people ever. Let me give you an example. I went to one of those parent-teacher conferences, and it had been raining for a long time. And a parent came up to me and said, I can't believe it's still raining. Do you think the rain will ever stop? And I looked at her and said, I don't see why not. It always has in the past. <laughs> And no. it was like, yeah, <laughs> parents are fucking stupid. <laughs> and it was part of the point is like, let's get to the fucking meat, point. meat and potatoes. Meat and potatoes here. Parents potatoes. are stupid, and they're just and get to that's business. very that's very north. That was actually a commentary mostly on the northeastern attitude of <laughs> cocktail parties. And do you think it will ever stop? No, 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 I don't. <laughs> it will never stop. That's what dreams. that's what that that's what Noah said. Uh, anyway, yeah, Mr. Nathan. Yeah. yeah, yeah, there it is. Well, uh, this is a it is a very connected film to our lives, and we wish that Wes Anderson would reconnect with himself. I think that's ultimately what we're saying. I do. I I think you're right. I think you're right. And I I mean, okay, couple things. Mm-hmm. Eric Eric really wanted to do this, and I'm glad he did. But did I really was, want to? I can't remember saying it though. You did. You give up the vibe. Give up a little bit of vibe. Yeah. 
But also, I want to give a shout out to uh, 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 Jasper from uh, Australia, who's been a great listener mm-hmm. on a podcast, who also mentioned long time ago, I'd love to see some Wes Anderson stuff. Oh, right on. Hey, Jasper. So Jasper. Yeah. 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 That's cool. Yeah. I, uh, <clears throat> I don't think there's a turning around, though. You know, I think judging from this current film, I think it's just like. It's more of the same stuff. Cash in. Yeah. I mean, like, I think that uh, the hi- a heist movie would be great. The movie that I would actually suggest that he take on, and it's because you, you brought it up um, uh, just a few minutes ago, is something like Rosemary's Baby. Mm. Like, make make something that's in in your wheelhouse, because, like, you do something at that at that um, at that hotel with the, what, the name of the, what's Dakota. the Dakota, the Dakota. Like, that's totally in his zone like style wise but you make a horror movie in that like that's why that's why uh it would be really cool if the guy made stop motion and he was murdered oh god and then yeah. you have to process all the stop motion and, and look at it and there's a clue and uh, so it's blow up only for you know, still frame animation that's right okay, yeah, okay, see, okay, that's okay, a good okay. idea right there what about relationship between wes anderson wes anderson films and uh uh woody allen films Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Is Woody Allen to Woody Allen as in no, Wes he, Anderson to Wes Anderson? Yeah, well, Woody stopped making. He hasn't made a really good movie in probably twenty years, fifteen years. Yeah, yeah, but 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 he he. I mean, even after he did Danny Hall, right. which is his Rushmore. Yeah, but he found. Okay, that, if like, I he, if I'm going to make a comparison, mm-hmm. Annie Hall is his Rushmore. Sure, right? Because yeah. he went from like a lot of. Bottle rockets with bananas, et cetera, et cetera, sure. which yeah. was all good Great stuff. Take money but run. Annie Hall was his Rushmore. Absolutely. Right? It, uh, that's a fair comparison. Mm-hmm. I think so, Would yeah. you guys be okay with that? And then and then after that, it became more and more and more. But he still delivered I actually, I do, I do have a difference with yep. that. Okay. I, uh, I think Annie Hall was his bottle rocket because there was a fluidity and there was something about it that was very uh, – not um, stage, but once he started doing like Stardust Memories, everything started going into either a stage or a yes, box, right? And that's where Rushmore went, where you had a proscenium, right? Where in Rushmore there's a proscenium, whereas in Bottle Rocket it was just very fluid. We're in a ditch yeah. by the by this real uh, place. refrigerator place, right. and Annie Hall was the same thing, even though some of it was a little bit with you know uh, Shelley Hack. Or, or uh, on the horse. Yeah, sure. You know, uh, in that well, street he, scene. He becomes very formal with Manhattan, right? Yeah. Manhattan's the bit. That's a very, very Stardust, formal Stardust, yeah. Manhattan. Yeah, but, but the point but is the, there's a proscenium okay. in Rushmore where everything is staged. Then you have radio days and right. everything seems to be – there's a, a looseness, sophisticated looseness. Right, right. That I don't get with – I would say his rush – his bottle rocket, I'm going to just – Back up, is Annie Hall? Yeah, because it's about him. And what's his Rushmore? His Rushmore is going to be like Manhattan, Manhattan. Or, or Stardust Memories. Yeah. Manhattan, yeah. Stardust Memories. Then he goes and starts doing this formulaic thing. Even though Broadway is Danny Rose, one of my favorite movies. Oh, it's super fun. But super fun movie. crimes That's, and misdemeanors. No, Broadway Danny Rose is his. Uh, no, I'm sorry. I was thinking um, uh, crimes. Not, no, no. Hannah. Uh, Hannah and her sisters. No, Bullets, Radio over, Bullets over Broadway. Zellig. Bullets over Broadway is his uh, Grand Budapest Hotel. Yeah. 
that's what that is. That's what it is. Yeah. yeah. And he okay. started doing a whole Manhattan murder mystery, everything. Yeah. He put a proscenium. Super, okay. Yeah. Super lucky. So, all right. So now, now we've made a, mm-hmm. a parallel between uh, Rushmore and, uh, uh, sorry, uh, 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 Woody, Woody Allen, Allen and, uh, Wes and, and Wes Anderson. What is Wes Anderson's uh, uh, Deconstructing Harry? Well, the, I was going to bring this up because I think that Woody Allen, the one thing that he with, needs that. Woody Allen I think, is, I, I think it's fantastic, Mister Fox. Well, he, well, I don't think he's done it yet. I, don't, I think that, like, no, yeah, I don't think he's done it. Yeah, because like I love like, it. Fantastic Mister Fox is a very good movie, and it's closer to a greatness than his other his live action. Deconstructing films. Harry is like it's a hard let, mean film. It's a hard yeah. mean like, film. Like Woody Allen uh, reinvented himself at least three times. Like he took a hard look at what he, with the movies he was making. Yeah, he clearly gotten tired of making. A certain kind of movie, and then he breaks and makes a new kind of movie. Yep. Yeah, but and he, and so like he he gets really aggressive with like there's you know there's the um you know there's the uh, uh Annie Hall Manhattan bit, but then Stardust Memories is a really fucking angry movie. Like it's it a is really an angry harsh movie. Film. Yeah. It is a very harsh film. But realize like take the money and run bananas love and death love and death. Yeah, but that's, that's what one he set, split right. between that and Annie Hall mm-hmm. was. Um, played against Sam, which he didn't direct. He didn't direct it. Yeah, that was Martin. That's right. I think maybe. Yes. And so he wrote the stage play. Right. So that was a fresh start to be back to. It kicked him into gear. Yeah. And then he does the Mio Farrow stuff. But then by time he was like with Santa Luquasta or whatever, it was like um, 85, 86 radio days. Then he does, I think his best films for me. His great run. For me, I think we're going to agree on this. He is Broadway Danny Rose, mm-hmm. yep. Hannah, and Crimes and Misdemeanors. I, and I would say trifecta. The, my, uh, I I call this like my I I have, I have one to that list because I always say the the it's the ampersand so, uh, trilogy where it's husbands and wives, crimes and misdemeanors, and uh, uh, and Hannah and her sisters. Yeah, and like it sounds those to three me like Hannah movies. has to do a Woody Allen oh, I, Hannah I know, crime I, and I, Hannah troublesome as but he Broadway is. Danny Rose. That I've seen, I think it's 38 times now, 37 yeah. times. It's a great, great film. Great Lou film. Canova, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, it's a fucking amazing thing. film. Look, at, can I just say one thing, Dan, quickly? One thing. Sorrento. Sorrento. Okay. <laughs> okay. That's my gesture. That's my gesture. That's my gesture. The microphone. That's my gesture. Okay. Now that you've said that, because mm-hmm. I, I do love Woody Allen. Yep. But it sounds like we need to cover different periods of Woody Allen's Yeah, I think life. that's good. Like, we should do right. like, Bro- so like, um, like – Played uh, against Sam. No, 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 the early stuff. Right. But like, like Bananas. Bananas yeah. is great. Bananas, bananas and, and women love and of death. San Marcos. No, no, no. Marcos. The Bananas, Sleeper. Like, yeah. like the goofy comedy yep. stuff that he did. Right. right? Well, it's uh, Take the Money and Run. Right. Love ban- and Death. Love and Death, Bananas. But it goes – Take the Money Everything you Sleeper. Sleeper. Everything you want to know about sex. Oh, my God. I think my my favorite the entire my, my favorite the entire list is is uh, bananas, which is unbelievably funny. But yeah, that's the women one set of San Marcos oh available God, at dude. popular prices. <laughs> Pop, popular prices. <laughs> my or like possibly the best line ever uttered in a comedy when he goes. When he How says, much like, is that Screw Magazine? <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to take uh, this and uh, copy of orgasm. Yeah, when 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 he said when uh, the when the dictator says. Uh, all uh, people uh, was we'll wear underwear on the outside. Uh, everyone, yeah, uh, everyone so uh, will we'll wear underwear on the outside so we can check. Power has driven him mad. 
Oh my god! The best is when he gets a tuna fish sandwich. I think twelve hundred tuna fish. It's four hundred ninety ham on rice. It's for the revolution. It sounds like a three-part episode, which we can string out. Right. So early. Like bananas, take the money and run. Virgil Starkwell, uh, and then and then the second part would the be the Annie like Hall grouping, the Annie Hall grouping, Manhattan, etc. Manhattan, and then and there's the, the Hannah sisters, husbands and wives, uh, uh, Broadway Danny Rose, Broadway, 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 Broadway Danny Rose, yeah. and I think in Lou that set also is Canova, uh, ladies and gentlemen, Lou Canova. The the epilogue to that set is uh, is, is the, the one 50s. you just brought Deconstructing up, Harry. Deconstructing Harry. Ep- I- <sighs> Which is a brutal, fucking mean movie about. A yeah. bad man, and that's what I think it's great about yeah, it. Yeah, but like, so was Crimes. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And Jerry like, Orbach is so good in that oh, movie. God, the movie is fucking incredible. It's incredible, and the and the and like what's what's awesome is that Martin Landau it's brilliant. is like that's one of the and two great things Houston. he ever did. Oh my god, yeah, and like he, Martin Landau is the true villain of that movie. He is like he is absolutely. Right. I, oh, we, let's we'll have to do it. It's we just have incredible. to do this yeah. and break it out yeah. over the next twenty twenty. Yep. We're going to do – We'll piece it out. We don't have to do we'll it in do one We'll do Woody spring. Allen part one, two, and three. And yep. you guys have heard this on, on this episode. Yep. We're going to break it out. And we're going to start with the early one, mm-hmm. the the mid one. The, 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 the artistic breakout ones. And then, and then, the, the, and then, then the serious. The, and then the, the serious what the fuck yep. episodes at the end. Yeah. I, I think it's a good idea. I, I hope I hope people enjoy uh, – We'll do it every three months. We'll yeah. put out – like, oh, another here's, here's another Woody Allen. Don't worry. We'll also put out a new Woody, set of time travel movies. <laughs> yes. Actually, uh, people – our time travel movies have actually been really good. So we'll throw in another time yeah, travel. Yeah, we'll loop that in as well. I think that's yeah. a good idea. But yeah, well, I think that like that because Woody Allen is so – "Quote end quote problematic to talk about like we we sort of like bring him up and then we stop talking about him. We should just take it head on. Technically, <laughs> take it head on. Sleeper is a time travel movie. That's very true. That is very true. Yes, I, I agree with that. Uh, checking the cell structure. Checking the cell structure. Uh, <laughs> I think what happened? What was it? Uh, um, uh, Albert. Uh, what's his name? Got a hold of the atomic bomb. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Oh god, what was it? That's such a good one. Shanker. Yeah. <laughs> so he was the head of the New York City School Commission. So good. That was the joke. So only so people funny. in New York got a hold of it because he was fighting oh, the, God, the, the mayor over like bad. school stuff, uh, like, you know, school, uh, the teachers union. Mm-hmm. And so Albert Shanker was head of the teachers union in the late right. 60s, early right. 70s. So Albert Shanker got a hold of atomic bombs. So only New Yorkers in the audience yeah, would be like, it. what the? Yeah. Like, so that's the good. funniest Such thing because event. I know I used to have this teacher and he was like, that was the, he was like in the South somewhere and he was the only guy laughing. That's <laughs> good. And everyone just turned around him in the theater like, what was funny? <laughs> oh, God. I have to explain in the lobby later. So, <laughs> and of course, like the classic, it's like the fucking finding the old VW bug in the cave. Just and turns it on and just starts right up. He goes, man, they really built these things. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll save it. He we'll was save so it. damn good. Then. Oh my god, yeah. He was a he is a is a very strange, possibly criminal man, but uh, he did make an enormous gotta, amount of great films. You got to separate the art from the artist. I feel strongly yeah. about that. I feel strongly about that. Those yeah. movies are incredible, even if that guy's a weirdo. Mm-hmm. But we'll tackle that at another time. I'm very, yeah. very, uh, very excited to do that. I think it's important uh, to do that. And we should actually think about – actually, that's a good point because it was in right around this time that we released our time travel films. Yeah, it might be time to do round two. 
There are okay. a lot of them to choose from. There's a lot of them to choose from. So if you have any ideas out there that you'd like us to uh, to take a look at, please throw your time travel recommendations our way. We yes. have a list that we're going to pull from, but there there's always movies we've never heard of, believe yes. it or not. And we're trying to – like it sounds like you guys throw out a bunch of ideas and we don't tackle them, but we eventually do get No, to yeah, them. absolutely. We because I believe Jasper put out this idea of Wes Anderson films like a year ago, and so we're just getting Whoa. to it now. Yep. But yeah, we 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 definitely love interacting. Right. So like, uh, send us uh, comments at uh, what is it now? What is Twitter? It? It's what at Martini Giant, right? And at Instagram at Martini underscore Giant. Yes, for the for the sins of our fathers. The yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, at Facebook, uh, uh, Martini Giant. So Facebook dot com slash Martini Giant is the way to do it. Now, yeah. if you guys would like to. Email us with your ideas or whatever it is, be it Woody Allen films or uh, time travel films or whatever. It just go to podcast at martinigiant.com. We'd love to hear from you. That would be very excellent. And now uh, I, uh, I always like to bring up, is there anything we're recommending before uh, we go that we have seen in the past week or two weeks? Or, Make uh, millions. Make millions. That's a big one. That's yes. a good one. I like that one. Um, I'm going to uh, – let's see. I'm going to say – the shock the the shock of the past month of my movie going life. I watched a, an enormous amount of Academy Award nominated films to catch up on those, and I was very pleased with all those. A great set of movies, but what I didn't expect is on Sunday uh, a movie snuck into my top ten from 2019 that I never ever ever would have put in the running for my, anywhere near my top ten, and that movie is the monster alligator film crawl really which is fucking incredible <laughs> wow. i could i heard believe it. a lot of people did not like that it that movie is genius it is it is like it's it's a monster movie that's all it is i can't say anything else where do you see it uh, i rented it i got it off google play for like 3 bucks I, I had heard from people that I knew that had seen it. They're like, oh, that movie is actually really good. I was like, yeah, okay, I'll catch up with it. I love a good shitty monster movie. But then I had heard that uh, it was like Tarantino or one of these guys was just like, that's one of the best movies I saw all year. And I was like, all right, I'll fucking check this thing out. And I watched it and it is such an exemplary bit of extremely simple, low budget horror filmmaking. Mm. It's so inventive and so well put together that even though, you know, it's like the effects aren't perfect, you know, actually like the, the, they're CG alligators they use, but they're pretty good. All that stuff doesn't matter. The movie making is great. And so it doesn't, whether things work or don't work visually perfectly, it doesn't make any difference. The filmmaking, the editing is fantastic. The structure is fantastic. The characters are great. And in the end of it, I swear to God, and, and came in and she's like, are you crying? And I was like, yeah. I'm like, you're watching a fucking alligator movie. <laughs> I got to watch this movie now. <laughs> I I was overwhelmed. I was so excited at the end of this movie. I was knocked out. Crawl. That is, I don't want to get your hopes up too high. It is just a fucking alligator movie. But if you're going to get an alligator movie, there's no other alligator movie I would recommend more. Even alligator is not as good as this movie. Okay. I'm going to do another thing, right? Mm-hmm. People have been complaining about The Irishman being three plus hours or whatever it is, right? Oh, yes. It's like it's right. such a fucking long movie. When you can, but when we, live, we live in the world of streaming. Yes. Right? So um, I 
have been watching in the director's cut of Until the End of the World. Oh, yeah. yes. So which good. Which is five plus hours. So good. So good. Right? Yeah. That's yeah, the yeah. Criterion. Yeah. It's, it's on Criterion. Which is out of the Criterion channel now. It's out of the Criterion channel. It's on channel. Criterion channel. I got yep. it subscribed to that. And Should I do it through Amazon so I lose money, Chris? No. Four, five bucks no, a month. Directly. Just go directly to Criterion channel and then Pay the lump go, sum. Yeah. Get it done. Anyway, the point being, I'm watching it mm-hmm. and then I stop it. Yeah. And That's then fine. I- Watch it later. Right. So it's basically a mini series. It's not a five and a half fucking hour movie. You don't have to fit the whole steak in your mouth at dinner time. No. <laughs> you don't have to do so, that. <laughs> you can watch it on your TV too. I can watch yep. it on my – yeah, Anywhere. I can watch it on anything. Anything. Go on to the web. It's Criterion. Sign up. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. 100 so bucks. Go, okay. For one Eric, year. You go on to the web. You just go to – The World Wide Web or www. I'm going to stop you right there. Go to the dub, dub, dub. And you get to the dub 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 the dubs and you, dubs and you get dub sign up on it and you say okay I got it and then you have a login you have a username and password so then you can go to your TV what do you use for streaming content on your TV Apple TV yeah okay then you just download the Criterion app on your Apple TV right yeah and then say log in. And then you log in with the login that you yeah, used. I understand. And then it's done. Yeah. Then you're I, done. I, I, I cast, I'm a 3D artist, I, I, so a little I, bit of spatial. I, I understand. I just want to make sure because some people realize like, oh, no, I have to sign in through No, Apple well, you TV. reminded me because I did the thing where I signed up through um, – Apple TV. No, I signed up through my – I got HBO through online, my browser. Right. Through Amazon because I get – I have a lot of stuff in Amazon Cloud and stuff like that. So right. they offered me a deal, and that's how I signed up. Th- that's good. Then keep doing that. Right. right. But Wait a minute, but I'm losing money. Mm, it's a cup not of coffee. Ne- not necessarily. cup of coffee. A yes, cup of coffee. And, and, and in the end, Dan's right. Just a cup of coffee. Yep. Do you use online storage? I do. Uh, what do you use? Google. I use Dropbox, and I use Amazon. I got eight terabytes with Amazon. It's nice. awesome. Yeah. Like, yeah, I need, I need, I need a lot more than you can I, go as far as you want, but it's pretty damn cool. They're pretty amazing. I know. You put I, up need, a lot of I need, I need a backup place that's in the close, you know, hundreds of terabytes. Right. You can pay for that. Yeah, and that's expensive. I know. So yeah, I mean, all my, all my that, stuff is writing. Instead of that, I, I do it the old-fashioned way, which is Sneakers. I basically yeah, I store it onto hard drives, yeah. and then I store. It twice onto hard drives, and then I ship the hard drives off-site. Yeah, that's the best I do way. It, yeah. I, I do it the old-fashioned way. I should basically just pay for online storage and not fucking worry about I gotta it. I got to tell you, I'm amazed on how fast uh, Amazon is and efficient the, the tool sets right. compared to like Dropbox and others. Yep. I'm almost um, close to uh, dropping, getting rid of my Dropbox. Dropbox is a kludgy. I can't stand Dropbox. I hate Dropbox. Yeah, it's really bad. I fucking hate Dropbox. Yeah. No, I, like I know, but Amazon, my- uh, uh, like like Google Drive, it's fucking great. Yeah, no, that's that's been my go-to for sure. Absolutely. But I don't. It's I know expensive. they fucking and you know that they scrape that shit for all the data they can possibly mine. But oh, yeah. whatever, <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> it's pretty cheap, and I got lots of like got lots yeah. of space. Yeah, if you want to look at all my all my you know my special pictures, go ahead, Google. Enjoy. Yep. Enjoy yourself. There's, there's a whole growth episode going on there. <laughs> uh, all right. 
Well, cool. Well, okay. Well, this was an interesting episode. I definitely enjoyed it. I I definitely did. What is my talk ratio? I think it was low tonight. It was low. It's interesting because uh, it was your suggestion to bring this up. I know. How did you feel what we did with your suggestion? I, I can't recall suggesting it, but uh, you know what it was? Because I was sick last week. I'm still – I'm not You're sick, fuzzy. sick, but I – Eric, I know you're concerned about how much you talk on the, the podcast, but let me tell you this. You always deliver the goods no matter what Well, you I look good in tight jeans and I think that's – The goods the, were delivered, yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I that's think so. So, so I don't feel – You said something earlier that would make a great indie band or an indie film. It was like – uh, outcast prep school something that was so damn good it's like you got to hold on to that nugget man you got to think in your head when you shout when you go to your oxygen pod tonight th- try to remember it uh, he ties prize salmon flies <laughs> God, salmon flies <laughs> prize salmon he ties prize salmon flies that's a good I, that that should be a kid's book <laughs> no, it was like prep school outcast it's like hop on pop <laughs> prep school outcasts prep school oh outcast yeah that's a, it's like it's like a, it's an outcast uh, uh cover band you know i didn't realize <laughs> i didn't you know this is something that 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 my wife and i are going through it's like you know we all we were we were all we were all weird kids mm-hmm. right and i didn't find my tribe and that's a a term that's being used a lot these days, but I didn't really figure out my tribe until I was about 23. Right. Right. Which means I was the weird kid for a long time in my youth. 23 is old to find your tribe. Right. What is tribe? It's the people that are like you. Yeah. The people that have similar interests or that you're just your, your crew. Right. And so Hackley did not have my crew. And Colgate did not have my crew, although it was better. Colgate was better, but still not my crew. And it wasn't until I went to architecture school, it was like, oh, here are all the weird kids that are just like me. And then suddenly, like, yeah, right? And it was that, that's when I found, it was 23, 23 when I found that. And I was like, ah. So going back to Max Fisher, it was like, he, Max Fisher doesn't have his tribe. Max Fisher makes his tribe. Makes creates his tribe. Yeah. Creates his tribe out of whoever. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah he's going to build a family no matter what. Yeah. That's what he's going like, to do. I don't have a tribe. Fuck it. I'll make my tribe. Yeah. That is that is amazing. Mm-hmm. That yeah. is something that is. I wish I had that. <laughs> I that my my tribe was built via Dungeons and Dragons. That's right. really great. Yeah. That would, and, and, and continues to be. I still play. I, you know, the kids play everybody. It's just like, yeah. that's one of the most uh, awesome, um, ways to it, just admit that you love weird shit to your friends, right. you know, and just, uh, and just nerd out. And, uh, which is cool now. Which is super cool now. Yeah. No, it's, uh, Dungeons and Dragons. My son plays Dungeons and Dragons with his friends and, and he's like super loves it. That's yeah, fantastic. That's like, like we are basically like trying to find, the, our kids' tribes. Make sure that they have access to that tribe. Yeah, without a doubt. Uh, early. Yeah. So that they don't fall into the, you're a nerd. Yeah, you don't want to feel bad about liking stuff, about being weird. I was feel good like, about it. I hate that. Like, yeah. that's a fucking feel great. stupid. Because, I mean, like, things like, you know, like, I, you want to, you want to see, like, I want to, I want to be a part of a crew that when I say, like, I love little women, like we all fucking just say, yes, Little Women is amazing. 
I want to play D and D with my with my with my kids and with my uh, the, my buddies back east, and I play D and D on you know online. You know, like I have multiple tribes that are all part of a giant Venn diagram of tribes in my life. You know, and the more that it's happening, the more like interconnected everything is. Like the more family that you experience, and it's a, it's it's the good and right thing to do. You know, and I think that like the that uh, especially for the nerds, you know, like get in there and find your tribe, you know, be weird because there's weird people out there and you can be weird with them and it's great. That's what mm. I, I support more than anything. Yeah. Everybody is weird. Just find the way in which you are weird with people. Yeah. It's great. And things are challenging in life. This is true. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's why friends, Everything that's why tribes. challenging in life. And so find, find those challenges and, and deal with them. Amen. Deal with them head on. We're talking to you, Wes Anderson. Right. <laughs> we love you. We love your movies. We do. You know what? And 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 they speak to us. Yep. They speak to the people like us, and and they and they definitely sp- spoke to me through. Uh, uh, I I was so excited to watch these films, and I but I was really excited to watch Rushmore again because oh, God, I had yeah. seen I'd seen Rushmore like. Yep. Twenty times. Yep. And then I and I, I was like, oh, I can't wait to see it again. And I was like, I think this is one of my most perfect movies. This movie is the one that really gets to me. Oh, it's an all-timer. It's an all-timer. And there's so many personal things. Like it's, you know, it's where I met my wife. I recognize all these sites. Yeah, I, yeah. And, and, and then it relates to like the Hackley experience and me moving back to the United States and the the strange things of getting kicked out and not being accepted. And, and, and yeah, amazing. <laughs> Will Love you marry this. me, Leifong? You bet I will. <laughs> so good. Man, oh man. So good. That, I was, good. that was a good one. That was a good one. All, All right, right, everybody. Are we ready to close that? That was fun. Let's that do this. Good. Thank no. you for the suggestion, Chris. No, no, yes. It was your suggestion, Eric. I don't Thank recall you that. I'm going to speak with my attorney and have him get back to you. <laughs> All right, here we go. All right, drink. Duck. Drink. Drink.